Harry. How are you? Hey. <laughs> I uh, I I got a dog. What? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, it's a a pretty a pretty big a pretty feels. Come here. We see if you can see. Uh, he's first dog on the podcast. Yep, we see. Uh, Deals. Come here, we see. Uh, <laughs> so you looking for food? Do you think you're eating dinner? <laughs> always. You know what I mean? Always. Always. Uh, uh, he's a shih tzu of Tails. And uh, he's been here uh, a day and a half. And um, I love him already. <laughs> Real charmer, is he? Oh, goodness. It was... Uh, well, uh, my best friend Omar. It's a, uh, it's his dog uh, for the last two years, and they've just they're about to extend their family again. So it's become a wee bit small, right, okay. and you know the wee man needed somewhere to go. I live on my own. The universe, let's yeah. hang out, guys. You know, so <laughs> my new roommate. <laughs> universe give you a permanent play date. <laughs> Absolutely, it did. Yes, and. Uh, <laughs> I think I was owed something, so we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> You're sitting waiting <laughs> any minute now. <laughs> there has to be a point a... to all of this. <laughs> Points always dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a. We were brought up with loads of dogs. Like my dad was in the mm. hunt, hunting with greyhounds and loutures and, you know, hunting rabbits and that oh, sort yeah. of stuff. I'm truly from the country, like, and, uh, <laughs> um, but I haven't had my own dog, you know, since like we, we were kids. So it's, yeah, it's really nice. Like I must, I was nervous about it. People have been saying to me for a while, you know, uh, you should get a dog, man, you know, because I was complaining about yeah. being lonely or whatever. And, uh, they were all right. They were all correct. Are <laughs> <laughs> oh, you going to become one of those like dog dads? <laughs> Uh, man, I man, that's uh, uh, I so there's there's something in me that's just that finds that wrong. Like I, I can't explain yeah. it. I can't explain it. Uh, I'm not one for big on judging people. Let them do their own thing. But um, I this whole you know I died the dog dad thing. I really it's uh, I feels uncomfortable. One of my friends was asking yeah. in the in the WhatsApp group last night. He was like, uh, "Are you going to let him sleep in your bed?" And I was like. Ah, uh, it's not really my style, man. You know, like, <laughs> I, I like I like to keep separation between human stuff and dog stuff. You know, yeah. I think it, benef- it benefits us both in the long run. You know, yeah. We'll, we'll see how lonely it gets. He'll thank you, know? you when he's older. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> uh, um, I'll start with a bit of bread buttering. Um, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but usually we or I choose like an album. And I also choose like an Irish track. So okay. uh, there's one week um, we've been talking about Frightened Rabbit the week before. So I chose Frightened Rabbit and uh, I was going to choose you for the song. But okay. then I remembered that we'd already talked about getting the podcast. So we'll have some music of, of yours this podcast. If you want to ah. send me a couple or do a couple of songs you want people to hear, I'll stick them in. That'd be cool, man. Happy days. Because I remember that we put, uh, we put Lauren, Lauren Bird on that. On that Excellent. episode, the train of thought, <laughs> connections. <laughs> but I think I said to Thomas on that episode too that the reason I thought of you is because 
your music often reminds me of Frightened Rabbit, which I'm sure you'd be <laughs> chuffed to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, would be impossible for it not to. Um, to be quite honest, uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it would. It would be truly impo- yeah. It would be impossible. Um, from the years 2009 until he died in 2018, uh, <clears throat> they were my num- mm-hmm. they were my number one band artist. Uh, I've seen them ten times. Um, I that's I, he was my number one. Like you know what I mean? Uh, so uh, I when he, yeah. when he passed, it was devastating. Like and. Uh, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, enough time has passed now where you know feel comfortable enough talking about it and all, and you know, and and uh, but yeah, it's really nice that you hear uh, Frightened Rabbit and my, my music. I'm pleased about that for sure. Yeah, not like uh, like it's it's it still sounds very you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm uh... not at all. <laughs> telling you you're ripping them off or something but there's just definitely it's kind of hard to put my finger on even it's just like when i hear it i'm like there's that sounds like darn dirty but there's i can hear the influences as well honestly my my good friend dean maywood as well uh he wouldn't have been familiar with frightened rabbit at all at all before meeting uh meeting me and becoming friends and it was kind of weird for him to hear frightened rabbit and then yeah it's inevitable after you meet you yeah of course like you become familiar with frightened <laughs> you know what it's like. I'm sure you push music on your friends, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's our rule. I remember. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I remember. Tastemakers. Absolutely. Uh, I remember. I don't know if you know Alan McGreevy. If you know Alan, Alan, uh, he's in New Pagans. No. He's, in, he's in New Pagans. Oh. A tall guitar player. He used to be in a band called the Rupture Dogs. Uh, bears a better resemblance to Dave Grohl. Um, oh. like lovely, handsome man. The Rupture Dogs. Yeah, they were a kick-ass band. I remember them. I yeah. bought a, I got a CD of them because I met um, I met the New Pagans lads a couple of times. One at Stand Hall, and then I seen them when they were supporting uh, McCluskey, was it in Belfast? Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't put that connection with uh, Rupture Dogs though. To be honest, oh, I haven't even uh, heard their name. And, many years <laughs> a long time uh no the, the yeah. reason that i that i that bring it up just is because we used to call alan the indie ninja because <laughs> he would he would always have some weird band you know what i mean to push on you like yeah. you know all, i know and you're like ah, bloody indie ninja like so i was gonna say that's maybe that's what we're trying to do now as well you know carrying the flame yeah <laughs> well yeah i think like if it, it, it doesn't really matter what band you're into if you love them you'll just you always have this sense that they're not loved enough. <laughs> it could be the biggest band in the world, and you're still being like, "Yeah, but have you heard this shit?" Like, <laughs> doesn't matter. Just <laughs> uh, uh, showing me tool top. <laughs> never heard of. <laughs> That's what I mean. Uh, uh, yeah, when when I was eighteen, uh, we were the we were those guys. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we we were them guys ripping or doing it everyone's head and in the bar going, but you haven't heard Ladder Ross, man. You haven't heard it. And it makes changes your life. And, you know, uh, obviously I'm 36 and still wearing the T-shirt. So my yeah. view hasn't changed that much. I've just become a lot less evangelical about it, yeah. <laughs> you know. You're now only in the reserve army. You're not the front line. <laughs> uh, I've done my time, man. I've done my time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. You um released some music. 
You reminded me of one of the bands in Northern Light, which I'd forgotten about. I know. Well, I suppose last year, you know, it's been fucking mental, hasn't it? Like, you know what I mean? So, uh, and mm. at the start, you know, yeah, at the start all, of... Just, oh, well, what happened start, was... Just all you keeping busy kind of stuff? <laughs> so, sort of. Like, it was the case of, uh, with the Northern Light, we had, like, made the record in 20, between 2014, 2016. Um, right. But had never, had never completed it. Um, due to a number of things. Um, it was... As we recorded them with Neil Calderwood in Manor Park. And um, okay. and it was in bits and pieces, you know what I mean? Because, you know, funding it and that took time, you know, over time. And wanted really high production values on it, you know, because we were yeah. trying to we were trying to combine uh, you know, the acoustic instruments, you know, the, the guitars, the drums and that with electronic, uh, uh, you know, items as well. So, like... We, we kind of found through our process of being a band that you needed really high production values. Do you know what I mean? Like in order yeah. to make that work, otherwise it just sounded naff. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. a, a, you know, a sound line over a, a punk band. That, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's there. Yeah. It, it was a, it was like a, a fine balance, and we found with Neil, we could really get that there. You know, so it, yeah. it you know, it, it took time to build up the money to go down and do all the tracks that we wanted. In that yeah, As As you would imagine listening to listening to the album last uh, Saturday. Making pancakes, <laughs> and my my housemate came in. And we were kind of sitting there and being like, "This reminds me of something." And we we're like trying to describe it, and I I think I said it's like a pop punk pendulum. <laughs> so, so, uh, honestly, like that's why when I sent it to you the last day, it was because uh, you know I've heard your band user obviously pop punk. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. and uh, and that's where me and Omar come from as well. Like, that's where we have our. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's our basis. We we at fourteen we became best mates and and got on the blink. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, um, and it's been the whole way since. And as I'm sure, if you listen to any of the records, you can hear angels and airwaves all over it too. And uh, yeah. um, because Bit of that uh, going on. oh, that's uh, uh, Mr. Tom DeLong. Like it's uh, <laughs> nice. Um, uh, it's deep, like you know. So uh, yeah, pendulum and come here. Uh, we were listening to angels and airwaves and pendulum. That was honestly that's the two. Where we kind of wanted to meet, you know what I mean? That was the two things that we loved, yeah. like you know, um, and also you can see with the Tool T-shirt, and that's uh, like we really love dog bands as well. Like Pink Floyd's my number one band, like you know what I mean? And like yeah. uh, when you're talking to people about Pink Floyd and King Crimson and Rush, and then you say Blink One Eighty Two, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> you, know it, it, you always got a very interesting reaction. I know I put it like that. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, that's that's bang on on the money. Yeah, I think, I think like that's kind of what I don't know. I suppose what what pop punk needs is like those, maybe not uh, like King Crimson influence, but like something a bit uh, more progressive, whatever whatever that word means to you. Like to to keep it up to date. I think like that's what I love finding personally. Like I still listen to pop punk music, but if it's someone's doing a a bit something unusual or something that I haven't heard before, it's like that's. I'm with you. you can keep those if you can combine all those influences. I think that's the when the magic happens. <laughs> Absolutely. I, well, that's it. Like, I, I think rock music in general is in that position. You know, like as in, uh, you know, because these days you know yourself. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I listen to lots of different types of music. I always sort of have, mm-hmm. but it, it was always primarily rock. You know, it involved yeah. cars and, and whatever. But I mean, it's been a lot more varied now. But 
Well, there's not a lot of innovation going on in the rock world. Like, do you know what I mean? There's not a lot of nah. uh, risk taking in the rock world. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, not a lot of experimental, you know, and that's just becomes a bit tired after you, you're a musician for 20 odd years. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. like uh, I just, me, you know, a Northern Light in particular throughout that period was, was a real learning curve of realizing that I wanted to do something that was a bit different. Do you know what I mean? That, that, yeah. that, that, because I was going to see other bands or playing with other bands. And, and you know, everybody's really good, great musicians, you know, uh, well-organized and maybe, maybe even decent enough songs and stuff. Maybe they just sound like 10 other bands. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. it's, you know, it's interesting with there's such a glut, gluttony of music now uh, that, yeah. you know, what makes you stand out? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I was chatting to um, someone, can't remember what, what was the name of that band. Can't remember anyway. <laughs> it was a gig we played in Belfast a few years ago and I was chatting to the singer in a band and we were talking about that, like, if you can... If you can blend some genre with what with another one in some unique way, you kind of have to now. Like you can't if you're just doing, like you said, something that sounds like something else. It's kind of pointless. Like you need to look for that little extra thing to make it unique. Like as well, I, I kind of think it's just an evolution. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, it's kind of yeah. inevitable. Like you know, I mean, it's what it's what all music genres tend to do. No, what. Yeah. Been inter- what's been interesting is well, now that I've got to the stage of my life, I'm now old enough to have seen something come back around. Okay, which mm-hmm. what, what what age are you? Um, thirty in two weeks. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> you. Um, I, you're nearly old enough too. Um, <laughs> uh, you're welcome. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, seeing the nineties coming back has mm. been. Fucking hell! It'll put manner, manners on the like, like even now. The, the um, you mentioned Blink, like all that early two thousand stuff's coming back. Travis Barker is playing tra- Machine Gun Kelly, and, and I, it's, yeah. it, it's a like, and also I think from watching some YouTube channels and stuff, uh, you can see that younger people—not all younger people—but there's a, a group of them, you know, who seem to be, you know, reacting to the super produced and the super combination you know like everything being a wee bit electronic or everything being highly produced mm-hmm. they're you know as everybody does rebelling kind of against that and going back to nirvana a bit you know and things were a wee bit yeah. you know but more raw and stuff like that so, again i think you know things only go so far in one direction before it comes yeah back. i i, I kind of think that that was what happened with um bands like mumford and sons I think that's why they blew up so much because they, like going back to such folky acoustic instruments was a direct compare like rebellion to like really produce like polished pop. I think you're I think you're absolutely right there when I think about it because yeah. that would have been around the around the time of chasing status and pendulum and yeah. uh oh so that would have been that would have been fair enough. I it's and then, uh, um, the pop pop music around then was like was that like Katy Perry and uh, Lady Gaga and stuff like that? It's very like, um, yeah. Especially like Lady, Lady Gaga. When I, she's, I hear her on the radio the odd time now and I'm just like, this sounds so, it sounds so weird now. <laughs> There's like really fucking um, obnoxious almost like uh, synth things and stuff in it. 
And at the time, I remember being like, this is cool. And now I'm like, this sounds, it's dated, but not to any specific time, if that makes sense. Like, it, it doesn't sound like an era. It just sounds like a weirdly out of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> or something. That's, uh, cool, that's what I was going to say, is that, does that, are you trying to describe timeless? Uh, no, you maybe. didn't mean it as a compliment. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, my good friend, uh, Lauren, Lauren Bird, she's a Lady Gaga maniac, like, you know, and, uh, yeah. um, but, but Gaga Lauren, like, oh, mate, let me tell you, absolutely. And, uh, she, she freely admits she's into generic pop music. Like, you know what I mean? That's a, yeah. that's not, it's not a shame for her in any shape or form. Yeah. Like, you know, to be honest, and, uh, uh, I've been starting to get into it myself. <laughs> and uh, my my favorite record of last year, now it's it's not generic public, but uh, is um, Early XEX. Uh, oh yeah, the re- the record she made in quarantine. Uh, How I'm feeling now. Um, yeah, completely like fell in love. Times, yeah, yeah. Did you like it? What do you think? Very of it? good. Yeah, that was very yeah. good. Um, speaking of like albums from last year, uh, Dua Lipa's was one of my favorites. We did a whole, oh, like, uh, do a whole, like I said, we usually ch- choose an album. And uh, the, the week that I had, like, I think I'd listened to it the day before, and I I threw out my previous choice for album for the album I was going to choose, and then told Thomas about Dua Lipa. And then I was like, right, go away and listen to it. And then next week, we'll just talk about <laughs> Dua Lipa. And we did, like, nearly a full episode. Just talk about the album. It was, like, so good. Like, <laughs> oh, man, man, it's it's. It's so 80s sounding, and I'm a sucker for anything 80s sounding. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Yeah, uh, it's, it's like a... It does a... I think it does a great uh, sort of combination of sounding, like, 80s, but also future... Modern. Like, basin. like, it's up... Yeah. It's really, really cool. It's, uh, the other one, Charlie... Charlie's record, I, I really love Anna album before that because it's it's experimental pop. Like, you know what I mean? You know yourself, like, it loves a... Yeah. Even some comparisons to Death Grips on the last record, like, you know what I mean, with some instrumentals, like, you know, yeah, being... Yeah, I remember... Yeah, I remember there being a... I think I listened to it through, like, twice, but I do remember, like, some really surprising moments in it, like... Yeah, really just, cool like, stuff re- in there, yeah. really heavily distorted, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. and I think the, the juxtaposition of these ignorant, aggressive beats with her sweet, sexy voice, like, it just... Yeah, does it for me, Owen? It does it for me, my friend. Um, <laughs> there's also uh, um, the other one is Muna. I don't know if you've heard of Muna, uh, but Muna, uh, no, so. they're, they're a band um, somewhere in America. I can't remember where from. Um, but they're a pop band as well. Very these sounding lovely synths, uh, but they're a three piece. And uh, mm-hmm. so uh, the singer kind of sounds like Imogen Heap. Uh, there's like a bit of image okay. and heap about her, uh, who I love anyway. And it was like, yeah. uh, I just really, really cool songs. Like, I, I, really, I, I fell in love with the band, like, you know, so yeah, uh, been my pop music. Although I've been getting deep into hip hop too over the last year and a half, mm-hmm. which has been nice. Any standout artists? I will, I, I kind of started with Outcast, um, because. Uh-huh. I think what what a well I started actually out with the channel Dead End Hip Hop on YouTube. Um okay. they're fa- it's fantastic. Like you know I mean they're, they're people who've been listening to hip hop all their lives. They're specialists in it. Yet always still fans just you know so they're uh recommendation reviewing albums. So I like to get the history of the genre first of all, you know, and then listen to all the main players in it. 
and you know and then find out what you like now hip-hop's been around lo- yeah. long enough now that there's loads of different genres inside hip-hop yeah you know so so there's kind of some you know you i mightn't have liked maybe the mainstream hip mainstream hip-hop whereas in mm-hmm. outcast are incredibly mainstream but they're also as experimental as you can get like you know yeah. I mean? and and the subject matter wasn't the sort of braggadocious kind of stuff you know i mean it was weird yeah. and uh you know angular very odd things they'd be writing about so that kind of yeah. got that kind of got me in if you know what i mean and then uh yeah once i got into that i started the have an appreciation for the rapper you know what i mean and then so yeah. going back going back and, and listening to biggie um who's documentaries yeah. on netflix at the moment um you hear then why he's regarded as the best I mean, like you know, yeah. you, because you, you you can understand it. But my most recent, yeah. uh, the last two weeks, I've been out on Lauren Hill and the Fugees, um, oh, and it's Lauren just Hill. oh, man. <laughs> Jesus, like she's uh, unreal. Well, that's what I mean. I've I've I've, I've kind of learned enough about it now that I, I've got a, at least a basic understanding of you know yeah. uh, what you know what makes it what makes a really good record and what doesn't. And, I haven't heard anybody do what she does like. Oh, it's really, nah. like no, don't get me wrong. There's Drake and stuff brought on that idea of you can rap and sing and you know and the stuff, but yeah. I still don't think anybody does it anywhere near the level she's nah, doing. Like. like like if you just listen to her singing, it's amazing. But then you realize that she is like an amazing MC as well. And it's just like there's too much talent. a hundred percent. It's been a, a week I've had my head blown off. That the, the song in particular that I can't get enough of is Superstar. Um, which is uh, oh, yeah. she's basically throwing loads of shade at somebody, saying, "Come on, <laughs> up your game, up your game. Your tracks, everything you drop is so tired. Music is yeah. supposed to music is supposed to inspire. How come we ain't getting much higher? Oh, that's that takes all my should boxes start, there. Uh, <laughs> should we start making some uh, uh, pop punk diss tracks? <laughs> oh, no! Well, there you go." <laughs> that is a good idea. Um, start a beef. Uh, start a beef. That's right. We can start a beef between us. That'd be cool. Um, no, but yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness! Start a beef. That'd be brilliant. You know, there's like um, there's like a I don't know, sort of like a secret uh, Lauren Hill album where she did a MTV Unplugged and she just came on with like an acoustic guitar and I think new songs and just like told stories. But apparently at the time people were like, what do you do? Like, she's just known for being like a hip hop artist and she just did a MTV Unplugged. I think it was like a few years later after she like disappeared for a while because she, um, she had her, a child. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like a comeback and then she came back with acoustic and people were like, what are you doing? <laughs> but it's supposed to be an amazing album too. I haven't listened to the whole thing. Or is that like a... I don't know if it was an album as well. If it came out as an album, I, like those unplugged albums used to do. I think I was I was looking through discography the last day and I think I seen uh, Unplugged, MTV Unplugged 2. I think that's what it was called. So I'm assuming... Right. I'm pretty sure it was her with a guitar. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'll have a look at that for sure. Yeah. Well, that's the impression. Yeah, I've I, seen some I, clips and all and it's just... It's just like so intimate too. She's just like they're all just like sitting around like a wee. It looks like she's in a living room or something. Probably not, but like it's got that that atmosphere and she's just like letting everyone in and telling these wee private stories and yeah. 
Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be all over that, honestly. As I say, it's a, yeah. I really like that, you know, this idea of stepping outside of, you know, the music I grew up with and the music, I, you know, and trying to, to get, especially as a lyric writer, you know, like as, as yeah. I've all, like in Straban, um, where I'm from, where I live, um, there was, uh, in my generation, was sort of the first generation of guys from the town to start rapping. And uh, and making hip hop, you know, oh, yeah. and uh, and there'll be a few main players. Jared I too did quite well. Um, oh yeah, yeah, uh, Mr. Mills, um, and then HC Baby as well. Uh, Danny still I was making. Say, is it... Yeah, you were you familiar with Danny or what? Sorry? Um, I knew. Um, I was going to ask is HC Baby from around there because um, maybe Paddy's done some stuff with him. Met him on Paddy's on uh, like the first of these musician talk podcasts. Sidetrack ah, as great. I've been calling them. Very good, very good. It's a uh, yeah. Any um, as I say, HD baby. Uh, he's talking about prolific. My goodness, like the man's put out. He puts out about two albums a year. Like you know, what I mean, he's taking it back to nineteen seventy six. Man, two albums a year, and uh, <laughs> um, it's uh, and uh, he just loves to do it. You know, but I, I was just saying yeah. when that was me. Actually, it was around about the time of a Northern Light. Uh, there, you know, said. 2010 onwards there uh guys were putting out some really strong stuff and what i felt when i was listening i was like how come these boys just get to tell it exactly like it is and i have to wrap it up in some sort of fucking metaphor do you know what i mean like that's what i was the question i was asking myself like i was like yeah oh because i'm sorry but that was hitting me harder what they were saying was hitting me harder you know what i mean like i was like so that really you know, played on my mind. So I tried to yeah. to, uh, to really take influence from that, you know, and I, and I still do. You listen to, even very, very recently, as I said to you about, uh, I wasn't really a fan of the braggadocious thing. Like that never, like, uh, you know, I've got so much money. I've got so many cars. I don't care. Yeah. Mate. I don't, I don't care. Like I, I've nothing to relate to that to, you know what I mean? Um, but um, whereas now, because I've been spending quite a long time in hip hop and, and surrounding myself with it, kind of started to play on. So I've like even got one or two wee lines thrown on a couple of songs where maybe a, a wee cocky line, you know, I never would never would have done it <laughs> yeah. ever before. Like, you know what I mean? And it was like, you know, uh, what's the line actually? It's in one song. <laughs> it's hardly a, yeah. a one line. Uh, it was on like a underneath the weight of all these songs. So that's what I felt like the cocky line was like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, but that's funny how it influences you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that, it's um, like that kind of is how I sort of broke, had a, like had a breakthrough in my own songwriting was. It wasn't from hip hop, but it was definitely from hearing those kind of just like really honest lyrics. And it was like, oh, <laughs> I can just write songs like that. <laughs> it was like, um, and now I've kind of gone the other way where I'm like getting a bit more flowery, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, like you, it's like, it's nice when you are, when you're aware, it's like, it's like, oh, something, there's a new influence happening and you're letting it out. You're instead of like being like, oh, well, I, I don't write lyrics like that. So yeah, ah yeah, man, absolutely. That's uh, this is one of my favorite subjects. Honestly, it's why I have so many songwriter friends. I collect them so I can use them for advice, <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's ter- terrific. Like, um, but uh, I, yeah. so no, I, I've got ambitions outside of songwriting with writing as well. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. and I have done for you know, kind of always been on the periphery. You know, what I mean, like poetry and and some prose, and you know, possibly mm-hmm. a book, possibly a book someday. You know, and. Uh, yeah. For lockdown as well, I've been uh, doing the online masterclass with Neil Gaiman. Oh, uh, which uh, 
Oh, man, jeez. Wow. So honestly, like, uh, just as a, like a one example of something that I learned from it that would be really helpful for anyone listening who writes, uh-huh. um, is, uh, talks about, you know, the way I'm sure you've got a number of notepads, a number of books, uh-huh. you've got, you've got the notes in your phone, you'll have, you know, different places that you keep stuff and all, and kind of spend your whole life trying to hold on to them and keep them around because you'll, you know, you'll be like, oh, I'll definitely use that or I'll definitely use that. And, you know, but by and large, you tend the very little from that ever tends to make it in like right mm. as in like to the, your finished stuff and what neil gaiman called it was your compost heap you know mm-hmm. and it's a writer's compost heap and you need that because you know none of it might not none of it but like a lot of it might make its way word for word into what you're doing but you use it to sprinkle through everything to help everything else grow as yeah. part of what you're what you're doing you know because you need to get that stuff out like you know yeah. in order to he says you know if you want to if you want to eventually have a, a great popular record you, you, you're gonna have to release records no one listens to you're gonna, yeah. to, you're, gonna you're gonna have to release you're gonna have to write songs that no one likes you're gonna have to write songs that do all right you know it, you know that's the process you know, which is yeah. just such a, such a encouraging thing to be told from somebody so brilliant <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. that's uh so i uh, have really been enjoying that like it's yeah helpful um yeah yeah, well, um, me, my, the co-host, Thomas, he is a writer, like, yeah, he's a writer. I was going to, like, um, oh. add a asterisk there, but no, he's a writer. We'll give him the title. Sure. And it's something, <laughs> it's something I've been trying to do as well, like, uh, especially over the last year. I was doing, like, kind of arsed about with it before that, but definitely over the last year, I've been trying to write more, like, short stories and stuff. And, um, oh. yeah, like, a bit, as, I think that's like a, a, it's only been now that I've started realizing that it's helping my songwriting too. It's like constantly having this, like just make myself put something out. It's like all becomes practice to like, just trying to wield language. Like, and then when you go to sit down and write a song, you can, it's almost like you're influencing yourself because you're constantly feeding this, like, uh, exactly exactly you let it right there and and that's so that's a lovely way of putting it as well um because i would even take that further one of the things that i've always said sometimes especially growing up somewhere so working class you know um i always had an interest in language you know from a young age and reading from a young age and yeah uh, so you would maybe get some abuse for using big words do you know what i mean like even in my own house do you Uh know what i mean growing up like you know what i mean and so I analyzed that. I'm like, well, why am I using these big words? Like, you know what I mean? Or why well, Why is it something? And I was like, well, I think it's about big words. It's about being specific. You know what I mean? There's there's many words for a yeah. reason. Like, it's about being more specific. On top of that, I think speaking is the first chance we get to be creative. You mm-hmm. get It's the first, like, it's the first time you get to, to make choices. Now, they're all, most of them are subconscious or you know like you make that kind of way but the first time you get and i think the more you do it just like you've said there the more you up your language up uh wield different words like you just use you know uh like i think that then exactly when you're writing it tends to come out more um on top of that um pens one thing or or, you know Mm -hmm. typing that's one thing but like i think when i do a lot of my best work it's comes from the improv- improvising it comes from just uh you know pulling on a set of cards and going for it and just i'm doing it that long now that 
sometimes I can get the majority of a song, um, but, and like with just on the spot, like you know what I mean. Uh, the song on the the Heathen Choir live album that I put out last year, um, called Tear by Tear, mm-hmm. and uh, I st- I still have the the voice memo of when I did that, and honestly, uh, like ninety percent of that song came out in a like, stream of consciousness in one go, nice. and now that's just practice. That's yeah. all that is. That is all that is. That's that's Do, just yeah. Those things are so rare, but they are also what you like live for. Because <laughs> whenever you get one in one go, it just feels so good. <sighs> but you can't just get it up. Like that's not going to happen the first time. You have to keep doing it, and then and then one time that'll click, and you'll just have a song and a sitting, and okay. it feels good. A lot, and a lot of the time, I don't record it. Uh, the recording won't have happened, so it's gone. And like you know. Uh, <laughs> Like that, and you you just have to keep going with it and enjoy your moment. I mean, yeah. and just appreciate that. Yeah, it's for you this moment. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. it's not going to be for resale. You know what I mean? It's for you, like so, you know. And sometimes that's enough, just to remind you that you can do it. I suppose. Yeah, for sure, man. That's a that was a, a, this is the one unique situation where i literally got a whole song out of it you know what i mean like of course that's the yeah. way that maybe you'll get verses or you might come up with your hook or you know what i mean like uh, you know you, mm-hmm. that's the style i tend to use anyway is just you know uh, jack syllables and you know make try and get a melody line a line that'll do it uh strike a chord yeah. with me and then get down to the writing of it but um yeah. yeah that was a that was a special day which obviously i like to bring up <laughs> <You know? laughs> but course. it's uh you know that's really cool though it's really nice to speak about that kind of thing you know uh with yeah. somebody who understand you know yeah well that's the it's the weird thing about songwriting it's like i keep thinking i understand it and then like the next song i write well i'll have like a different i've approached it in a completely different way and i'll be like oh, i still don't really know what i'm doing but i kind of do <laughs> i think that's uh, why it's so fun I'm... to talk because it's so like ethereal and like I don't know. We Absolutely. we keep, we know how to do it because we write songs, but then you go to write another one. You're just like, how does this work again? <laughs> Tom Petty. Uh, Tom Petty is one of my my heroes, and um, I love listening to him speak about anything. But um, particularly uh-huh. when he talked about the, crea- the creative process, which he didn't that often. And he didn't want to talk about songwriting. Whenever he was asked about it, he would give one or two answers, and then he would say, "I'm not really into." Asking too many questions about it for fear it'll go away. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, and, and that's so relatable, isn't it? Like, you know what I mean? You're yeah. like, you're like, I uh, just, uh, I don't want to wake up someday and not be there. Like, you know? Um, yeah, I think it was uh, Anne Lamont. I think that was the was in that book I was reading. Um, she's she her book, uh, Bird by Bird, is like a um, advice for writers. But I think it was her that talked about like. Um, you don't you can't like scare you don't want to scare away your ideas and i think it's it's kind of like the same it's like you don't want to look at it too directly because it'll <laughs> you just gotta let it like sneak up on you and be like all right there it is there now <laughs> you can't like uh so i understand his fear of like you know he doesn't want to shine a light on it and realize it's it's gone or something <laughs> that's uh, again so relatable it really is like i and also i i find sometimes I remember reading an article not that long ago, maybe a year ago or so. So it'd be easy enough found, you know, of uh, of Paul Simon um, mm-hmm. speaking speaking about his creative process as well, and the amount of self belief 
feeling that gave me was incredible because he's, he, we're, I do the exact same thing he does. And that's yeah, kind of oh, whoa, like you know, you know what I mean? You, it's yeah. like it's like you know, it's like getting confirmation that you're on the right track. Yeah. You know, it's like it's not. There's the only difference between Paul Simon and me, but like as in people who uh, maybe have been successful in their career and sold a lot of records or, or whatever. Like you know, as in is maybe just time or or you know like our opportunity or what you yeah. know what i mean like it's it just circumstances and things like and just and i'm more interested in the process than i am anything else do you know what i mean so i like that just yeah. was such a such a heartening thing to read like you know what i mean i was like wow is that we're doing the same and same with neil gaiman do you know what i mean when, I, yeah. when I'm, I'm going i'm going because i had like a, a football sitting there with loads of pages in it from random things that i've written while i was watching the video of him talking about the compost tape and i'm just able to look over it and smile my head off going <laughs> oh like I, i'm not an aspiring writer i'm a writer yeah thomas that's uh and yourself <laughs> like, yeah. you know it's uh listen, that's good it's, i heard a, a guy on a podcast recently i can't remember his name but he's like um He'd invest in a lot of like startups and um, he's invested in like um, Elon Musk and stuff like that. But he said uh, the reason most startups fail is because the like owner gave up just to go back to what you're saying with Paul McCartney, I think. And like, I think that's, that's how I feel about music. It's like bands don't really fail. They just like stop, they give up, you know, if you're still writing, making music, then I, 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 I couldn't agree more and to be honest with you that's been a, a lot yeah. of the change over the, over the last couple of years in my mentality uh when 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 i lived in belfast and we were in the northern light you've because you are in the scene uh up there then which was wonderful i loved it like you know what i mean i, I love being yeah. uh, friends with those bands and, and going to see bands all the time like you know what i mean i loved it um, still seems to have a very good thriving scene up there to me yeah, a lot of great bands in belfast I, Hundred percent, man, and I, like I, you know, feeds itself because that yeah. each then when 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 new bands come on the scene, they already know they have to be of a particular standard before mm. they even get a look. You know what I mean? So, and that was because I remember we were knocking about for a while with Plastic Rose and and uh, the Rupture Dogs, lots of bands. You know, uh, around about the same time, and so watching from afar, started they do well in that. And uh, I remember seeing Northern Conquerors um, mm. at. Um, what do you call it? Fucking radar. Um, which was the best. Uh, radar was the best in Mandela Hall or upstairs in Speakeasy. Um, and I remember it was there like one of their first shows. I couldn't believe how good they were already. Like regardless of songs, right? And song songs are always what I look at them at first. Like mm-hmm. I'm not first See. all the time, but uh, like yeah. it's like a, I don't really like if you're a good type band, I'll appreciate it. But I need to remember a song. Like you, you have to have the songs. Yeah, I, it's it's just you know, but. They had the songs, but it wasn't just that. It was the level already. And they were all these yeah. much much younger than us. Like it was scary, to be honest. Like it was the first time I kind of dealt with that intimidation of you know younger ones coming along. Yeah. And uh and you know, and you're starting to go, Oh, I'm I'm older, I'm not young, and you've got this idea in your hat <laughs> in your head that you're gonna have to look like the backstreet boys and um, you know, and that, <laughs> yeah. uh and all that sort of thing. And uh so that was kind of a necessary thing to go through as well, though. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I remember I remember writing a song about that particular thing uh, called Speed of Thought. And um, it was just me working through them feelings, you know, like uh, being like, well, yeah. why, am I, why am I feeling 
I'm a feeling a bit intimidated here. What's that all about? Do you know what I mean? You, yeah. you, you think you're the boss? What's going on here? Um, so it was like, <laughs> uh, but it's really good. That's to say, that's a really healthy thing about the scene. You know, lots of other bands about, you know, everybody's, you know, good, healthy competition, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think it's, that's I definitely, I've definitely caught myself like thinking like that. You can get kind of like, oh, why are, why are they getting that, uh, that uh, attention or whatever? Or yeah, or you see someone younger coming along and be like, but I think uh, it's like you can catch yourself and then you can be like, realize that it's all, it's all helping each other as well. Like, and now I, I like seeing the young bands and I like seeing older bands too. And like, uh, like seeing, someone a bit older and remind and remind yourself it's like oh it's you know like they're still doing it we should still be doing it and then we got the new ones coming up so like we got to show them the way and you, you kind of let it all feel each other like. absolutely that that's a that, that i get that as well like uh, one of the things recently that made me feel really good about that exact same thing was uh stephen wilson if you know him uh, mm. and, uh you know he's kind of like yeah, that's him. And um, he was, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm like a casual fan. I'm not a big massive fan, but I love hearing him speak yeah. as well. He's, you know, and uh, like he, Porcupine Tree had records in the 90s, but they only really came to prominence when he was about 35. And yeah. guys in Tool, all the guys in Tool were in their mid 30s when their first record went big. And it's weird, but Stephen Molson reckons that prime time in life for people to be putting out good you know rock based music is their mid 30s and if you look through the careers and stuff of yeah. the bands and that well, and it's... I, I i always think like that's when a band or an artist or whatever comes up a bit later that's when they have way more longevity it's the young bands that make one good album and then they don't know how to do it again but whenever you've had to like if it's been a more gradual increase incline or yeah then once you like get big, you're like you know what to do with it. You've you've put on all the work, and you don't just like burn out or not know what to do anymore. Absolutely, and the bands that stick around. Great, great point. It really is because you think about it too. There's, it's kind of the beauty. You know yourself if you've been in bad twenties, and that. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's chocked full of enthusiasm and and youth and arrogance and 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 period of time. You know what I mean? And and I think that a while lot of the constant learning about other music, the constant experiment, experimenting, the constant listening to other artists talk about stuff is so that we'll always improve. You know, and yeah. and that and I believe honestly, especially with mental health, my mental health journey, my mental health uh, uh, journey. Um, that really helps me momentum, you know, and, and if I just focus on the process, uh, it's the, as I told you before, the process is where I get my kicks. It's what I'm interested in. Playing live's cool. Uh, it's, I can't wait to go back and do it now. My good God. But, uh, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I want to, I want to, I want to sweat. Don't on, tell me. <laughs> I want to sweat on people. On. I want to sweat on people. And, uh, yeah. it's, um, again, it's, it's a fun thing. It's not what I live for. Like uh, what I live for is, is to make songs. Like you know, what I mean, is to yeah. is to, to create things. You know, and and I think if you focus on that, for me, in a way, it's it just helps so much. It means every day I can do something that's progressive, forward, progressing me yeah. forward. You know. Yeah, like I, I think um, sounds like you probably uh, feel the same way, but I feel like right now is the best songwriter I've ever been. And kind of like what you're saying about um, getting a bit older and ever like 
sometimes I do look back and be like, oh, you know, that youthful energy or whatever. But I also just, I realize that like, it's taken me till now to have like the confidence and the knowledge to write to the ability that I currently can. And if I keep pushing myself, it'll only keep getting better. And, and like you said, it's like, my best song is probably my next one. <laughs> oh, baby, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, have you ever, I, I love that excitement when you're, in the, in the, I love that excitement when you're in the middle of writing something and you're like, this is the best one. This is class. And then like, you finish it and you're like, damn, that feels good. Oh, the feeling when you finish a song too, by the way. Jesus, good. Oh, <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you is that, have you ever, has there ever been a point where you thought, because uh, this is only ever in the context of your own writing and in your own, I'm not on about you compared to anybody else or, or anything like that. What I mean is in the context mm-hmm. of your writing, uh, like have you, have you ever had that moment where you felt like this, is be- this one feels different? this feels like i've had a particular nerve here you know what i mean like as you know like as in i'll just give you an example kind of is what what i mean is i would write on the acoustic guitar nine times out of ten you know i mean uh i I do it with my studio and all in different ways but generally uh, and i tend to go back to the uh to the regular chords and i'll find my best off there Mm -hmm. for some reason it's just that's where it happens but I, i remember 2010 i think um or 11 uh i was playing a piano in my girlfriend's house in belfast at the time and um maybe it was because of the different tool i was using you know um uh to to write but i remember being halfway through writing this thing and changing what it was about so uh, initially i had thought i'll write a love song her piano for her you know when i started writing like i was kind of where my head was like i was like oh you know that'd be a nice thing you know uh and to keep DNA, you know, I mean, I'm, well, I'm using their piano in their house, so let's do, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of way I would work in my head. Then she had come into the, into the room and said, a man had been shot in the head in the Shankill Road. And um, right. my immediate feeling was, oh, sweet Jesus. And then the second feeling was, there's more important things to write songs about, isn't there? You know what I mean? And, uh, and then I, and in that moment, I, I shifted and still was writing the riff that I had in the piano and the melody that I had, but all of a sudden it was just pointed to, a, you know, like yeah. a absolute specific thing. And um, I knew the moment that happened that something had connected. There was, uh, there was a moment I was like, oh, that hadn't happened that consciously before, you know? And, yeah. and luckily, I'll never, I'll never forget it because then the song did really well for us. Uh, it's called Mother's Call. On the, it was on our first EP, but it's also on the the Northern Light record. And uh, at the time when I, we released it in the first EP, oh, I remember that song. Yeah, cool. It's a uh, like I got. It's when it's from. I actually got some emails from people who'd been in prison uh, throughout the troubles and that had heard the song and that I spoke to them because it was about not going back, you know. To, and if we're not careful, if we're not careful that yeah, you know, it'll, it'll be our kids not coming home, you know. Yeah, what I, mean? and, I remember. Uh, I remember that being a standout song when I was listening to the album there. I think because of those lyrics, probably. Or something anyway. uh, It was, uh, well, it's the piano song on the record, so it definitely would stand out that way, you know, because it's kind of, you know, it's a nice stopping point. But that really, you know, halfway through that song, I remember thinking, I have to finish this because it's a lot of the other times, you know, 
I would have felt kind of, you know, you're in that wee bit of a limbo place, right? And you're not sure exactly what it's about. You're putting the words down, but, you know, maybe the, the meaning will come later on. Do you know what I mean? You'll be like, wow, mm-hmm. that's what it was about. You know, that happens loads of times to me. Um, but this yeah. was this was different. This was in the moment I was like, I have a responsibility to finish this because this is, I have a feeling about this. That's what I mean, just as a feeling, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I'm not sure if there's any, you know, like that, uh, dramatic in my songwriting, but uh, I, I'm sure I've had it. I feel like I've had it with like a a lyric or something where you just feel it like really cutting through to an extra le- level or something. Uh, you you did remind me of like um, after uh, Lyra McKee got shot, I wrote a song, and it was just like a it was like a coping mechanism to be honest. Like my I remember waking up, what, what was that, uh, that'll be three years ago, coming up on three years, is it? Probably is now, yeah. It's, two e- years? Everything's two no, years, Every, everything's two years ago, so like, you know, it's mad, <laughs> everything's two yeah. years ago now, um, I can't remember specifically. Which I, I remember waking up, I remember waking up on, um, that, uh, it was a good Friday morning, wasn't it? Yeah, I was, and uh, just hearing the news and being like, kind of stunned and then like my brain kind of started automatically like making like just forming thoughts into rhymes and uh that night i was going to see uh china tenfoil play a gig in dublin and cherim were the support uh support band and they had like a lira written on their t-shirts and i was chatting to hannah afterwards just about that and like we were both just like what the fuck and all this here and then I like said mentioned her as like oh, I've been kind of like writing lyrics in my head and she was like oh you should write write that song and I was like okay because I didn't I didn't know if I should I was just like yeah, yeah it was I like that. automatic yeah. yeah and then she told me I should and then I did and uh, we actually played a gig then a few like a month or so later must have been um I don't know I'd, I'd, actually it only took me like two weeks to finish those songs so maybe it wasn't that far ahead because I remember it was like I just I think I had the gig coming up and I was like I need to get this finished and play it and just uh and the gig we played was in Oma and we played that song and then afterwards one of the support artists actually was her as a cousin of hers oh and he came up to me and was like that was like he just kind of thanked me for playing it and everything was like just yeah just one of those you know uh, you, you know, uh at that point when they, when, uh, when they came up to you and, and said about that that's from my the way I view songwriting anyway I think that's your job done yeah. I think you as a songwriter that's your job completed you have completed that particular mission done like as in it's yeah. that's it you've achieved what it is you like you know what I mean uh, and that's like my, my friend Dean as well as I was saying before uh, Dean wrote this song called let me see if I can pronounce it properly. Uh, Ilinamaru, uh, uh, which is the island off the coast, um, which is like of tragedy. Uh, it's going to be completely. I don't know that much about it, but I'm pretty sure it's uh-huh. where a lot of babies were buried and that sort of thing okay. during the dark times. Like you know, I mean, so it's that dark, dark history in the place and that. But he wrote a song about this, and um, and he was invited down um, to play it uh, with a choir on the island like you know what i mean and yeah. i when he when he told me the story i was like what <laughs> i 
it's like uh, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, same thing I said to you there. No, it's like that's that's yeah. the. It's not. It doesn't matter who else hears the song after that. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't. It, like I often say this to Lauren as well when we're talking. You know, because her yeah, EP's doing really well at the moment. Like you know, and, and it's it's just been a, re- a real joy. But mm-hmm. great EP. We, Indeed, doesn't it? Like it's uh, we, we were very proud of making it. Like there, it wasn't uh, yeah. difficult, but just uh, or wasn't difficult with those songs. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, it was difficult because it kept me up at nights. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Going, <laughs> I don't want to wreck these brilliant, brilliant songs. Like, yeah. I, I honestly believe that Millennials is. Mm-hmm. I still think it's probably the best song anybody I know has ever written. Uh, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I meant to say that earlier. That was the song that I. Uh, chose a first to include in that uh, episode of the podcast and then I saw Thomas like a week after and he was like I love that song man and he was like I, I was listening to it on the way to work and everything in his class and then like we were having a few drinks and uh, he like put it on and everything he was like yeah. <laughs> drunk he's singing along about I don't have any houses or cars <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it's the, the yeah. first time she played the first time she played it for me um it was just our phones will probably kill us. It was that mm-hmm. line. I was like, "So that's genius." I said, "That's genius." It is. It's just our phone, and that is genius. Like, yeah. uh, 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 that's the only way to speak to everyone that's gone away. Yeah. Jesus, man! I, I still like, I, like every hair on my arm. Uh, it's. I'm, I'm getting getting uh, getting them here. So. It's, uh, it's a true moment. Like, and and the yeah. thing is, Orange uh, Green Day. That's what's in her. So that's where that's her DNA. You know, and uh, Green Day and Paramore. Do you know what I mean? So that's where you're going to be in familiar boxes for you guys too. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's where, the, like from a melodic point of view in that, you know? Yeah, I remember I, I've I've said this uh, on a different episode, um, but I remember the, what gig was it? Must have been in, uh, when we played with using the baller. But after we played, Lauren was like, I think I know your favorite uh, Green Day album or something. <laughs> she, told, she told me my top three Green Day albums anyway she was right <laughs> she was right ah of course she was yeah. right um, uh, <laughs> that's amazing because that's, that's that's yeah. kind of when we when we met that was kind of, we bonded over Alanis Morissette that was that was the first thing I'm a massive Alanis Morissette fan so, so she and, uh, and Joni Mitchell and uh, those two mm. were our, our, and then Green Day and it was like really because I was a big Green Day fan too like you know what I mean uh, mm. uh, particularly um, Green Day are a game changer. Like. It's and they get they don't get too much. It's hard, they've they've got basically no alternative credibility. And uh, but I don't give a shit about that. Like it means nothing to me. Like but uh, I sold out twice. Uh, twice and and what? <laughs> and somebody mentioned to me a few weeks ago. They were like David Bowie sold out all the time, and you know just did it in a way in which it yeah. was like people regarded it as something else. And you're like he did. Stop. That's just called getting paid. That's all it is, right? Uh, yeah, I think I think we should be all trying to sell out. <laughs> yes, I completely agree. And uh, but I remember uh, <laughs> do, uh, in first year in school, uh, somebody made me a tape, um, and one side was Dookie, and the other side was Nevermind. Uh, so that 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 was a big tape. That's a good for tape. Me. It was a big tape. <laughs> it was a big tape for uh, me and like, when, when I was eleven, you know. But then I remember yeah. I bought I bought Nimrod the day it came out. And uh, mm-hmm. so there's me aging myself. But um, uh, I bought it the day it came out, and that's that would still be my favorite, I think. Um, uh, mm. I would that Insomniac that that or Insomniac are definitely me too. Insomniac's amazing as well. Uh, 
but that's got more alternative rock on it, doesn't it? And that's yeah. I'm all about alternative rock. Do you know what I mean? Like so, like uh, yeah. I love I love that it's got a slightly darker tone to some of the songs. Yeah. Like I, I really like that. What are your favorites, by the way? It's between those two, and I'd also put Nimrod in there too. Said Nimrod, Dookie. Dookie and Samnek and Nimrod are all kind of depends yeah, on the day which one. Yeah. yeah, just there's just some amazing songs on Nimrod too, like, and that's the one where and there's a bit, you know they really right uh, they 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 really started to branch out and try. Yeah, man, yeah. they started to do things a wee bit different on that record, and it's it's such mm. a varied album, like eighteen songs, I think. On there's it. like, a, like there's like an instrumental surf track. <laughs> Last ride in, <laughs> um, uh, I guess called. Yeah. Uh, that's weird. And uh, I remember, you know, the song Take Back. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a song on Nimrod called Take Back, and it's not, it's not pop punk about it at all. It's just a, yeah. a thrash song. And uh, yeah. um, my friend D used to listen to that in, on a CD Walkman. In, changing rooms before we went out to play Gaelic matches. Uh, <laughs> and then we got and get pure aggressive. Um, and, uh, <laughs> back, 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 back. <laughs> and that's where uh, it really happened. Like, um, it, when was the first time you seen Greenland? Oh, I've never seen them, now. You haven't seen them yet? All oh, right. Because uh, no. that's sad. Um, which is, well, surely we'll have to make that happen when the world starts up again, like. Um, <laughs> I uh, I had the Bolt in the Bible the live album. I watched that a lot when I was younger. Uh, it's top class. I, we I sing them I on. Just live. What's that? I watched the DVD enough times to kind of see them live once. We sing them. I did, in... see, I did see Blink Live. I've had that one. Awesome. Which what show? It was like I think their first, like uh, when they got back together down in the O2, as it was then in Dublin. Yeah, I was at yeah, I was at that as well. That was my first time seeing them as well. Um, yeah, we, some reason we had missed all the ones when they were together first time, even though we were into them from Animal of the State, yeah. you know. And uh, yeah, but, uh, it was that was a great show, wasn't it? Yeah, it's class. Oh, I remember being very sweaty at that. <laughs> oh, I plenty of sweat. Uh, we seen blink, we seen blink then on the neighborhoods tour as well in uh oh yeah the odyssey in belfast which was cool. an even better even better show i thought like uh as far as set list and performance you know they they sounded right. really 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 good you know um but, uh, that was a fuck i was a sweaty gig too let me tell you uh, sweaty um, <laughs> so, so i was gonna say the, the green day one i'm quite proud of because it's my second ever gig uh, All right. It was on. It was the warning tour. Um, nice. So, 2001, I think, or 2002, and Point in Dublin, and that was amazing because, like, the set list that day was, you know, you're talking that's one album away from them, Rod. Like, do you know what I mean? So it was like, yeah. uh, still a lot of great like, tracks in that album too. I was actually listening to it there recently. That album, prior because it was, it was, it was definitely the first one they released that people weren't mad about. You know what I mean? Because uh, yeah, he, he changed the guitar tone, which you can definitely hear now. Like, you know what I mean? It's suddenly it's like mm-hmm. a more of a, a rocky than a 
completely distorted thing like and uh but there's I love more it. acoustic guitar in there and like i think mm-hmm. there's acoustic in every song as well that's the way Which, man what a song uh they played that I saying there's acoustic guitar in nearly every song and I think like that's what The Clash did as well I think pretty much every song on London Colin has acoustic guitar in there so it's like you know it doesn't affect the credibility is what I'm saying it's grand it gets a pass absolutely <laughs> uh, it's a I'm sure I the Clash did everything do you know what I mean that's uh, I I go go back and yeah. listen to some of them <laughs> records I listen to or in my acoustic you know my bar sets um, or covers and that uh, I play Train in Vain, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, one of my favorite class oh, yeah. songs. Uh, Manic Street Preachers covered that as well. I'm a, a big early Manic fan, you know, because well, they they were heavily influenced by the class. I think I've heard that. I must check that out. Uh, yeah, uh, Manic Street Preachers, unreal. Talk about good songwriting, hey? Oh, <laughs> well, get me started now, boy. That's a. Uh, um, Here's my. It's not a hot. I suppose it's a bit of a hot take, but it's not really. Like I'm not the only person with this opinion, but I truly think that Holy Bible, like at that point before Richie disappeared, I believe he was at the absolute apex of lyrical songwriting and popular music. I don't think anybody. I don't yeah. think anybody's got anything remotely anywhere near it. Now I haven't heard all the songs, so I haven't heard everybody, but. What yeah. I, from what I've heard, and I've kind of thorough, do you know what I mean? Like, I've heard the main players and shakers over the last 20 yeah. years and whatever else. I don't hear anybody on that level. It's a different level, dude. It's still, uh, I, I, there is, there's something a bit like magic or something about it. It's kind of hard to, like, it, it was reading, a familiarity, but, but there isn't. And it's like, yeah, it was reading. I can't remember exactly now, but it was somewhere like between nine and 20 books a week at the time. You know, like uh, the man had every everything wrong with him that you can have. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he, he, you know, he was, he was yeah. an, al- an alcoholic and anorexic. He was, you know, uh, very heavily depressed. It, it, you know, um, he was a genius. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. and the amount of references in their songs, like like literature references, uh, yeah. you need you need to let like I remember we got onto that record, me and Omar, when I was fifteen, and uh-huh. it was a game changer. Like because I didn't understand what the hell he was on about, except I knew I liked it, and uh, yeah, and the amount of like that got us. <laughs> you know, there's a like a heavy socialist and communist uh, sort of vibe with mm-hmm. a, a lot of the, the early Manics record. Like that made me and Omar then go to the local internet shop. As there wasn't Straban at the time, right? When I was fifteen, <laughs> and then, you know, the, the only internet town in, or place in the whole town, and uh, we print, yeah. we printed out the Communist Man Manifesto, all forty five pages <laughs> or whatever. Like, swear to God, uh, like, and uh, and we went to Halloween in Derry. You know, we have the big Halloween in Derry, uh, and uh-huh. we went dressed as Richie and Nicky uh, um, <laughs> with the berries, and uh, you know, and yourself written on the back of the fucking white shirts and that, like, you know, what I mean, and. Uh, it was uh it was such a game changer. But as I say, like I love I love it in a song when I have to look up a word. Yeah. It's honestly I, I feel like I, I feel like I've g i I get a gift. Do you know what I mean? And uh in our James Keenan from Tool and Perfect Circle and Pussy where he's me, my man. Like and uh mm-hmm. I get you get that almost every song. 
There's always yeah. at least there's always at least one word that I don't know. I have to look <laughs> up, and, and, yeah. and it's uh, you know it's great. I love that. So I try to do that sometimes too. Is and like you know, you know at least put in something that maybe somebody have to look up or you know a reference to something I've been reading. You know, I mean, or something that yeah. I heard somebody say recently, and I can't remember, so I'm sorry I can't give you credit. But um, uh, it was something like uh. If you if you if you spoon feed somebody something like it you know they'll, they'll like it but if they have to mm-hmm. figure it out if they have to figure it out for themselves yeah and they and then that moment they figure it out it'll stay with them forever yeah they've like uh, internalized it or something because it's they put the effort in uh, you know like so yeah kind of where i'm at the minute because i was very much of the as i was saying before the the scott hodgson Tell the truth where your heart in your sleeve. Mm. Well, that's what I've been been doing since I was teen. I think is when I kind of realized that if I kept in the stuff that made me feel embarrassed, worked. Once that that was yeah. that, that that's that's what it was like a learning point. Whereas now, yeah, at the point at the point where I'm like, hmm, well, if I can set something up that somebody gets a eureka moment, it would yeah. be. Like, in the song, then then maybe I'll be able to do something a bit deeper, you know. So that's where I'm sort of yeah. thinking of at the moment, you know. Yeah, it's interesting that like sometimes by being a little bit more obtuse, you can actually say more, or leaving things a bit like uh, obscure, like keeping in the grey area. People, you can, um, yeah. Whenever you let there be more than one meaning or whatever, mean more because of that. It's interesting. And- it's weird. It's this is the thing that's constantly interests me about writing, which is that we could speak for twenty minutes about the benefits of saying it just exactly how it is, and we kind of did earlier on. And then at the, yeah. at the same time, you can say, well, <laughs> if you leave things a bit cryptic and have someone work it out, it'll leave more of an impression on them. I suppose it's uh, it's a bit like inst- yeah. instant gratification and delaying gratification, isn't it? Like you know, and uh, yeah. Unfortunately, the recording cuts out here for some reason, but you'll now hear A Mother's Call by A Northern Light, which is the song we'd been talking about earlier, and the outro song for this episode will be Tear by Tear by the Heathen Choir off their live album that we'd also discussed.
telling me about um the process of doing Lauren's EP. That's right, yeah. Um, start from the top again. Yeah, that's cool. Um we we started tracking it at the very end of 2019. Um so before lockdown we actually managed to get everything tracked, all the vocals, the guitars, um yes synths, keys, anything like that. Um apart from like a, a few viola pieces that Lauren had sent to me then. Then throughout lockdown, we did some Zoom sessions, um, which was great for mm-hmm. mixing it and uh, making mixing decisions and that kind of thing. They were times very frustrating, <laughs> as you would imagine. And um, <laughs> uh, that tends to be the case with really good work. You know yourself, like it's, you know, I mean, you, you don't want to let it go until it's right, like, you know, and... Uh, yeah. And, and as I was saying to you before, I had such... I knew the batch of songs were special, like I really did. I knew they were, yeah. and uh, so that put a pressure on me, you know. I, I and I just didn't want to wreck them, you know. Um, but yeah, I have a really modest setup here. Uh, we recorded it all here, so like you know, 
rented a really good mic for her vocals, you know, uh-huh. for, for, for two days. And, you know, she sang it over two days. Um, but the rest of it was, you know, I would maybe put down a bass guitar or a lead guitar line. And um, I suppose I'm still figuring myself out as a producer because um, I've done yeah. I've done Lauren's now and I've done uh, and Dean Maywood's and I've done my own my own Heathen Choir album the first Did one. Did you do the live album? I didn't. No, no, that was recorded no. live in the Baller. That was recorded just in the Baller. Uh, did, did, did you do any of the mixing or anything like that? No. Oh no, no, no. That was no? that was sent that was sent to me like that. Ah, um okay. Which uh, no, just as an aside to give you uh, an insight into what happened there, I knew it was going to be recorded. Um, Mm-hmm. prior to the performance so, and I had a feeling well not a feeling but it was a very very bad time in my life and I was going through a while lot and um, so I, I kind of and it was in the middle of lockdown you know it was August last year and um, yeah. when the when the restrictions had lifted a bit and uh, basically I, I wrote a suite of songs um, you know addressing what was going on in that and so I, I wanted to try and capitalize on the opportunity that it would be recorded. So I, I, yeah. I really did I really did practice set for like two weeks, you know, what I mean, every day, you know, what I mean, and like so that I knew I would be incredibly emotional singing the songs, you know, because some of them I had never yeah. intended. Some of those songs I had never ever intended to release ever. Like uh some of them were yeah. were kind of the way you said earlier on about working through stuff. Uh yeah. like I I've been in I've been in council now for about two and a half years and uh it's been transformative, life-changing, like you know, but in order yeah. to, to go along with that process, I, I wrote songs, you know, and uh yeah and, and so and they weren't for any anybody else to hear some of them, you know. And uh yeah then um start- I was just gonna you just remind me of um what happens to me a lot is I'll I'll write a song and then and during the process, I'll forget that people are going to hear it. And then it'll come to the point where I'm supposed to play it to someone. I'm like, oh, should I put like, <laughs> I was a bit too honest in this one. I don't know if I can sing it. <laughs> but I'm also really glad that I don't, I don't have like some block as well to be like, oh, well, you don't want to say that. It's a weird yeah, man, like uh, <laughs> double-edged sword sometimes. Oh, it is. It is. Absolutely. And come here, you're, I'm sure you're the same as myself. You're doing it long enough now that maybe you've had different partners throughout your life when you've been a songwriter and that like, and you know, it's not yeah. easy for them. It's not easy for them sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. if, you know, that if you're working through stuff and I'm, I always, that's what, what I kind of see what I do as is like trying to work out my feelings. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, definitely. And like, it can be challenging for your partner. They hear not that you're saying bad things or anything, but just saying anything can be challenging. You know, it can be difficult. Yeah. Um, with the the baller, the live session, the ghost live at the ghost light that we released. Um, to say basically, I I kind of took advantage of the opportunity. You know, by by being yeah. incredibly incredibly well rehearsed and re- playing songs like out of the seven or six songs that I played that night that's on the album, only one ever played before. <laughs> so like the the, the, wow. the the other the others were specific to that sweeps about specific stuff that I was dealing with and that I needed to do, you know. And uh and as a result of that, I think I got really good results, you know. Um yeah. it's again, you know, I'm not even sure why I ended up talking about oh the, the uh, yeah, I didn't mix uh the Kieran yeah. at uh at the baller sent me that like that. Um yeah. 
which, uh, oh man, he's such a legend. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, so that was I was delighted with that. No, uh, so for me as a producer, going back to Lauren's EP, um, yeah, what what I can kind of worked out now through having done two projects with other people is that it kind of they like what I've done, and then they mm-hmm. want a basically they want a wee bit of what I do. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. right? So, like, so for example, when Dean Maywood came to me about doing his, he's an alternative country or a folk artist, you know, singer songwriter, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, and what and he knew and from listening to my music that I had grown up on that as well, but mm-hmm. wanted a bit of my alternativeness. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, so, so that's what that's what he wanted. He wanted a, some a bit of the kind of dark and sort of different the trippy sound and stuff that, that that i tend to do you know and mm-hmm. it was the same with lauren it was a case of yeah the process has kind of been i'll do my thing and then they tell me when it's enough <laughs> do you know what i mean they're like yeah. no nah, that's way too much darn there we don't need that no no <laughs> no and and like the the song here again uh the first song on lauren's ep which is uh incredible like it's half yeah. of its acapella mm-hmm. um that song was pretty much done we were kind of uh okay with where it was but then i was sitting working on it one night and i just i heard something bigger i heard a bigger climax yeah. do you know what i mean like a lot a lot of the music i like has big climaxes because i come from the mm-hmm. frog world and uh so i like I, I i put a drum beat on it uh, i tracked bass i put some guitars and uh layered some guitars and i sent it to lauren and this is a great example of this process, right? Which is that I sent this to Lauren, so the song had the acapella bit and built up then and the bit where a whole band came in. Mm-hmm. She was like, it's cool, but she says, it's not right for the song. Like she says, it says it's cool, but it's not right for the song. She says, if it was yeah. way in the back, if it was way in the background, maybe. So what I did then was I swamped it in reverb and yeah. and put it way back. So do you know what I mean? So that's how the process worked. And then we ended up with yeah. something that, sound, that sounded ethereal and, and like yeah. swishing, like it's uncovered in this, you know, in this mad momentum that sort of makes it very dreamlike and stuff. And that was, yeah. that, that's how that process happened. So essentially I did my thing and she went, right, dial it back a good bit. Yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> and we got it in the point where, you know, where it was exactly something that was, that yeah. worked, that worked for both of us and we both thought was great, you know? I, I think that's what you, what you want uh, i think like when you're recording you want someone to be able to at the very least give you suggestions and maybe even go even further and just give you whole <laughs> play like and uh yeah and then you can work it out together and like I, I really want to for an extra card and to go to a studio of some kind and like really get that experience and hopefully don't know where it'll be or when it'll be but sure but just to be able Sad. to like have a, have a good like a engineer as well that can tell us what needs to change or things like that and just get the full full experience. I, I agree completely. Like um, that was kind of that was kind of why we went to Neil Calderwood in, in Manor Park, you know, because we were kind of in the same place. Uh, I had done I had done well, me and Omar had done a lot of recording through our lives at that point in different studios. Um. Dairy and, and a skill in lots of places, and I had picked up different skills and learned lots of different things along the way. But we went and did the single "Kill It" uh, as 
like an experiment because we had heard so much about Neil Calderwood and that Neil gets the best, you know, all these triggered drum sounds and, and made everything sound like a big modern production and that. So we, we went down with Kilt as an experiment because it was expensive, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. and we went down to that, right, well, we'll figure out whether it's worth our while. Do you know what I mean? Like, And the thing yeah. is, that, that single went through the roof for us. Like, it, it opened all sorts of doors. We got live session for Radio 1. We, you know, we... Tenants Vital, we had support slots in Mandela Hall off the back of that single. It was, you know what I mean? So it was a unanimous, well worth it sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, but I, I really strongly advise what you're doing there, which it's really good to go in and especially if you're like yourself, it's like you know, a very self-contained band, been writing for a while mm-hmm. now, but you know yourself and that. It's just I think music's collaboration, man. Do you know what I mean? Ultimately oh, yeah, it is like and and uh going out and the interesting thing about having a producer as well is that especially somebody you know who's runs a big studio and has their own king of their castle you know it's nice to to butt heads too you know what i mean like yeah. and, and and like and not in a negative way but i mean as in in order to force you to think about your decisions and think do you really feel yeah. that i mean or how much like do you, you think that yeah like even um just to use your example of like you and Lauren too, like it's good for her to be able to go like to defend her corner and be like, well, actually that's not what that song's supposed to sound like or whatever. Like even if it's even if it's someone uh, suggesting you something different, just for you to say, no, nah, actually this is why it needs to be like this, can be beneficial too. Like to understand Absolutely. what you're doing. Yeah, I think it's a it's a constant conversation. Do you know what I mean? So, like for example, me and Lauren, because yeah. Lauren, Lauren's in my band as well. Like as you know, uh, she's in the Heathen Choir, and so I send her my songs. You know, uh, when I'm working mm-hmm. on them, just to get feedback. You know, and yeah, she and she's ruthless as she should be. Do you know what I mean? That's what I want. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> That's not, what you need, yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, luckily, it never has to sound too bad. But like, she'll definitely be like, you know, not mad about that. Not mad about that. Is, you know what I mean but this is great you know blah 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 and, and I take that you know as I should which is that it's one person's opinion you know but it's really good yeah. because we have the tendency but it's a person that you respect and opinion exactly. you respect it is 100% I'll, take, yeah. I'll show you a better, a better example right uh, on Sunday night I decided that I'm going to release a new EP right um, mm-hmm. with the Heathen Choir and um, I was thinking about it I've got four songs not far off being finished they're kind of really a lot more upbeat as opposed to the live record, you know, the live record, which was yeah. very much a, a mood and uh, yeah. these are like a, a lot more of like, you know, sort of rock and dance moments, you know. But um, uh, I was anyway, I, I, I was spent a while working on the artwork and I sent it to Omar, my best friend and songwriting par- partner from A Northern Light. And I sent it to Lauren, my best friend and song, or, and well, or she works in the band with me, of course, you know. And uh, they both came back with, they like, Right, the title of it, uh, which I'm not saying yet, but I've, I've got the title <laughs> of, of the EP. Okay. Uh, Omar says, I love the cover, I love the artwork, not sure about the title. Um, I said to Lauren, she says, love the artwork, title's so good, I'm thinking maybe you should keep it for a full length. <laughs> right, so, like, you're going, <laughs> right, you're going, that is literally, so that, that made me laugh, laugh so much, so I was yeah. like, that's just people's opinions, man. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I respect the both of them as much as you could possibly respect anybody. And uh, which it's good. That's the good thing about uh, throwing it open to the floor a wee bit. Because yeah. the, more, the more you get used to doing that, at the start, you kind of take their word for gospel. 
you know, I mean, yeah. you, you at the start, you kind of do that. And then you learn after a while that it's just their opinion too, you know, and, that, and yeah. that, so, but the process of doing that's really rewarding. And as I say, the collaboration thing is massive. Like, you know, uh, I've worked with a number of different producers, like at Clark Phillips, uh, used to have been a band called Like Statues in uh, Belfast as well. Um, Clark done a lot of production. I think he still does, but, um, it was, a, it was a real casual, friendly-based thing, but we, we, we did the first two in Northern Light EPs with him, and again got great results because he was listening to a lot of the same music as us. Uh, we were yeah. pe- peers. He was somebody our age who played in bands with yeah. us and just happened to be really good at producing, you know what I mean, and was on his journey. So that really suited us at that time, you know what I mean? We And that was a real confidence builder because of, he was into the songs do you know what i mean like he was he was pure buzzing to be working on the songs you know? and then i think to take it to the next level it was important to go to the big studio so we went in with neil and neil's brilliant but there's no it's not about becoming mates like do you know what i mean like <laughs> it, 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 it ain't not it ain't, it ain't that do you know what i mean it's he, he comes in he does he sits at the desk you know he, he'll give us odd we bounces in here and there but largely kind of left us up to it really like you know which i find yeah. incredible incredibly frustrating like um <laughs> so, uh i did dog oh, i was i was yeah. seriously i was seriously upset by it like uh i like, don't think so, i don't know if i'd uh, deal too well with uh, that either to be honest uh, but that's what i'm saying is that now that we put the album out last year we yeah. did that whole th- the whole thing with him and as i say that was that part of it wasn't easy it was not very you know it just sort of it wouldn't it would be on the clock right to the time we were meant to leave, mm-hmm. you know, like right on the, on the clock and he'd take his breaks when he was meant to. And uh, it wasn't like a, like it wasn't awkward or anything, but it was just, it wasn't like somebody investing their personality or themselves in the process. Do you know what I mean? It's professional. And, yeah, pure professional, pure professional. And as I say, it was, that was frustrating for me because I like, get on with the person and get them invested yeah. in my music and, and you know and build that thing so I kept like I was yeah. fighting but then again when I think about it now in hindsight right uh, when it, the album went out and, and you know it like it got long listed for the NI Music Prize which we were delighted about to be honest you know what I mean and like uh, and, and it appeared high up in people's blogs for albums of the year and stuff you know um, and considering yeah. we, ha- we haven't been a band for five years that's not bad like, um, and, <laughs> um, but when I look back on that process now maybe it was kind of good you know in a way because one the album sounds fantastic you know what i mean I, yeah. I still think it's the best thing i've ever sang on he got the best vocal performances out of me that i ever have probably the best guitar performance as well so when i kind of think of it maybe <laughs> maybe he was super experienced and knew how to work us do you know what i mean like as in yeah maybe, yeah, maybe that wasn't maybe, what you wanted but it was what you needed yeah yeah maybe that's exactly what it was you know maybe it was like yeah. maybe maybe I, you know, rather than being my mate and being all, oh, let's buddy up and all, maybe it's like, nah, you know, let you, let's see you impress me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, maybe, but, uh, maybe you're like, oh, I'll play so well, you'll have to be my mate. Because yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I was, that's, <laughs> that's exactly how yeah. I felt. I was like, because inside you're going, do you think the music shit? Thinks the music shit, doesn't <laughs> You know that's that's what that's that's what we, we me and me and me and me and Warren Colm had conversations about it. You know, I mean, we were like, doesn't say anything about us. Uh, how, why? What? But, uh, but as I say, we're me and we're also incredibly opinionated people. Like, and uh, yeah. and incredibly, you know, and we, me and him, were probably button heads in the studio too. Uh, as I say, in hindsight, mm-hmm. in hindsight, 
Maybe it was exactly the right thing. You know, like, uh, it gone better, I suppose, yeah. Shows you, like, you know what I mean? And now, time, I've, I was worked up about it and whatever, like, you know, but yeah. recently when I was thinking about maybe if I record lots of tracks here, I might want to go somewhere and do my vocals, you know, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, I could do worse than going back up to Nila and uh, and getting a proper work because he works you too. Like, let me tell you in the vocal yeah. like, like, uh, absolutely. You know, spent two days singing that album and uh, two full days. Uh, so, yeah. you know, 16 hours or whatever it was. Um, and I was worked hard, but I lost them back now. I'm delighted. Do you know what I mean? That's that sound very good. Yeah. Meant to be hard work. I suppose that's the, yeah. the thing here, isn't it? It's meant to be hard work. Suppose the alternative is to have an easy time and then it comes out and then you're like, well, that could have been better. Like, you don't want to, you don't want to come away and not feel like you like put everything into it in the time you had. It's again, I, I guarantee if he was on the conversation, he probably would say, well, you know, I charge a certain amount and I, I don't want to waste your time if you're there. We're there to work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, like as and that, again, professional is the right word, a hundred percent. And hey, a CV stacks up it. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. And uh, you, you know, as well, if you're a film fan, uh, whenever cast are doing promotion for the film, if they say we had such a wonderful time making the film. <laughs> films no, the film's normally awful like uh, yeah, that that's like the rule of thumb like it tends to be I don't know, I don't know about you man, but I've like I've kind of come to this conclusion in my life now that anything good or of merit is hard yeah not even hard it's very hard like, uh, yeah you know, like uh, I've even started kind of it's like you can almost use it as like a as a barometer to tell someone's bullshit or not. It's like if something's presented as being really easy to do, then it's probably kind of full of shit. <laughs> like, Great way of putting it, absolutely. It's like uh, bit headlines. You're like, really? Like if someone's, uh, <laughs> especially if it's in an area of like self-improvement or something, and it's presented as being like, oh, follow these easy steps and your life will be better. It's like, no, nah, that shit's not going to come easy. It takes hard work. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard work's rewarding. Is the is the thing? It's, uh, it's so true. Like, it really is. Like, and yeah. that's why that's I'm suspicious of anything that's easy now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I am like, and I'm also uh, a, a very passionate uh, Liverpool football club supporter. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, thirty years. Much things not being easy. <laughs> uh, exactly. You know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> it's like. Uh, also, that's the other lesson I learned last year, uh, which is in life, you probably will get what you want, but it won't be the way you imagined. Mm. You know, like uh, that's, I think that's, I don't know, that feels like a lesson for this year. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it really, really, it really does. It's like, that's not to say it's going to be worse or not as good or anything. Like that. They're not yeah. just different, just different, not just not the way you thought. Yeah, uh, that's why I'm kind of finding that way. Though having a dog is brilliant, um, <laughs> with no caveats. Not at all. No, no caveats. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, the only thing I was going to bring up, and I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, is um, you hmm? recently put up that you're 
uh, sober for how many years? Four. Four. Is that? Do you want to talk Four about that? So two. Yeah, I have no problem talking about it. Oh, it's fine, man. No problem at all. It's just because um, I recently did uh, Dry January, so I know all about it. Like, <laughs> I did four weeks there. You know. Did you get on? <laughs> I, was, I, I loved it. <laughs> it was weird because I did it last year too, and I was like, I thought this was supposed to make me feel great, and I didn't feel any better. But then this year, I did genuinely feel great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But the, uh, one of the reasons I, I wanted to talk to you about it, well, first of all, congratulations. And uh, yeah. But also, I like I know people who like try to do it themselves or have successfully done it themselves, and I know how helpful it can be to hear someone talk about that kind of stuff. So if you want to share yeah. anything. Yeah, no problem. And that's an interesting timing that we're doing this, actually, because uh, there was a man buried today um in Bally Castle uh um who helped me uh no small way to get and stay sober um name was Vincent yeah. his name was Vincent Sharkey and uh he got buried today he's also one of my best friends uncle so we are in the morning 100% you know um and uh as I say my you know it's just it's the world lost a real real good guy and I mean that you know it was uh was in recovery for 20 plus years himself and he was the head of the Samaritans at one stage in Northern Ireland. Uh, amount of stories of people coming out like myself that he helped without any fanfare um, yeah. seems to be endless, you know. But uh, I suppose I people talk about reaching rock bottom Um. I did reach rock bottom. Uh, uh, I was living in Glasgow yeah. uh, four years ago, and uh, I was living in Glasgow, and I was in a a really, 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 really bad relationship as well. You know, what I mean, uh, where we both cared a lot about each other, but we were both riddled with resolved trauma and taking it out on each other. You know, what I mean, and that is the way yeah. it tends tends to happen. You know, but in a way, um, I hit rock bottom and uh, made the decision to stop. Um, it's I say made the decision to stop. That's not really uh, for me. It, it's kind of difficult to explain. It's people ask me about when people and people have and they do and they ask me about how to get sober or would often sometimes say it like oh, I would quite like to stop, you know, or uh, I wouldn't mind stopping myself, you know, and mm. things things like that, you know, and. Can't really give any advice to anybody like that because that's not yeah. how it was for that's not how it was for me. I knew for years, years I shouldn't drink. Yeah. I knew I knew for years and years I was a bad drunk. I uh and I always had this voice in the back of my head saying this this, uh, this is gonna come to a head. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. and uh and for example, if I was going to the off license at nine in the morning. I would ring somebody and tell them. I, 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 not tell them outright, but I, I, I would ring my brother maybe and, and how's it going? You know, what's cracking? Well, where are you headed, man? I'm going to go over and get a bottle of wine. Fuck, early today, you know, but like, ah, well, yeah. you know, and for some reason, I just always had to keep it in view because yeah. I knew that if I started to lie to myself, I was in trouble. Yeah, if it's I, like I, the secrecy would be a step too far or something 
something yeah. like that. I, I, again, it's it's difficult to pinpoint exactly. You know what I mean? But yeah, it, it was definitely when the time came. It, it was stop or die. Like it was. Like it yeah, was stop, it, stop it, or die. It's almost like it wasn't a decision. That's what I mean. You know, like uh, that's yeah. that's that's why I find it a, a wee bit difficult just to say to somebody. Well, if you like to do this, you know. But what I can say is that I had went to AA when I was twenty five. Now I stopped drinking when I was thirty two. Um, but when I was twenty five, that's usually already I knew I was well aware that an issue. Like yeah. you know, what I mean, I I, I was twenty five and I was already an alcoholic. Easy, you know what I mean, and. uh Went to AA, and I'm I, honestly for anybody that's listening, or anybody that would think about going, go. If you're thinking about going, and you and you don't have anywhere, you don't have, you know, you feel that you're lost. Oh, I swear to God, it was the most beautiful room I had ever been in of human beings. Yeah. The most non-judgmental, open-hearted, caring, egoless, awesome, regular, hurting people. You know, and that were more than happy to to share and to, to, to make me feel welcome. And yeah. I went for like six months and um, every day, pretty much for six months, you know, or uh-huh. at least three, three or four times a week in Belfast at the time. I kind of, at that stage, got an outline of how they operate, you know, and, and, how, and how that works for people. Ended up drinking again and... Mm-hmm. And just got worse and worse. And then when I was 32 and in Scotland and hit rock bottom, my battle was with me and with my head. Now, my thing was personally, I couldn't finish things. Okay. I never finished anything in my life. You know, left school before my A levels finished, like December before May's exams. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and at the stage, we the Northern Light album was. 95 percent done and we hadn't put it out because yeah. we hadn't you know like i was just i was really down on myself about this so yeah i definitely I, I that streak in me as well i <laughs> uh, man it's uh, i think it's definitely the the artist thing you know what i mean like uh, and, yeah. and so when it came to the point my head was right this is nothing to do with god or anybody else this is about me me and getting control of, of my experiences it is. and I thought to myself in that moment I was if I can conquer this if I can if I can have the discipline to stop this mm-hmm. I'll be able to do anything yeah and I'll be able to finish anything and I'll have the discipline to do anything yeah and that's kind of the thing that's kept me um now so when I stopped I just I didn't go to AA, um, but the man that I spoke to about there, who was just buried today, Vincent helped me massively. Uh, you know, I met him for coffee every couple of months to catch up and and, and uh, me on the street and narrow. And it was uh, the year and a half after I stopped drinking was really tough. Like, uh, I moved home to Straban and I moved on with family, and that's complicated because from a family where there's lots of these problems you know and uh yeah so, you know it was difficult to go back. family that doesn't have some connection to uh, it, like... uh not really not really no not not you know I, i'm the eldest and stuff so you know i mean yeah. you can't you know it's not you know you know younger peeps aren't really you know, they're younger you know i mean and it is how it is but no i it's i'm 
uh, that hasn't worked out, you know, but it wasn't meant to, and that's yeah. all good. You know what I mean? It wasn't meant to anyway. But when I came home, I just had this thing of not letting myself down. And I was sick of talking the talk and not walking the walk. That was it. I couldn't, mm. I could not stand myself for that reason. And so yeah. when I moved, when I moved home to Japan, I had nothing but acoustic guitar and an old laptop and Ableton on it. I had no production experience whatsoever. I didn't know how to record. And my best friend Omar helped me out with that a bit. When I moved home, I thought, I'm writing and releasing that album. I don't care. I'm doing it because there's no excuses anymore. I'm not just talking. Is that, is that the one that's on Bandcamp now? Almost, uh, you, and that, assume baby Darren on the front, is it? <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, me as a baby in nineteen eighty something with a wee pink guitar. That's um, that's that's why I chose that, the name of that record. It's called "What You Do" because it's not yeah. what you say. It's not what you say. It's what you do. That's yeah. why that's that's why I chose it. You know, and and it was about me remembering what I do as well, which is write songs. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, uh, I got no long way with that. But as I say, I had no money. I had no production skills, but that I wasn't taking excuses. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't care. I'm really writing and releasing an album, and I did. And yeah. so at that stage, then I've stopped drinking and managed to make a record. And then I put the band together, the Heathen Choir. And don't get me wrong, like it's very difficult. <laughs> it's uh, weird because somebody's drinking or using drugs incredibly heavily. And for a long mm. sustained period of time, they're doing it because they're hurting. Okay. Yeah. It's not it's not because they enjoy the crack. Okay. It's not. Yeah. It's just not. Okay. And no. if you're if you're in music circles or artistic circles, you tend to be able, you know, it's part of almost our culture, you know, isn't it? Like, you know, we hang out and yeah. we drink and, and you know party. But you can always tell who enjoys the party too much. Like, you know what I mean? And you can always and see it, who's trying to, to, you know, make the night never end. Oh, yeah. and and even and like uh, you were talking about um, what's his name again from uh, Manic Street Preachers? Oh, Richie Edwards, yeah, yeah. It's like we have like people like that become like the sort of exalted then too, and it's like that feeds back into it too. It's like you're supposed to be the one with, that's a bit fucked up, and then because you're. But special or Tom, whatever. Yeah, like, you're you're a hundred percent there, man. I, I hundred percent right there. Because I, I remember as well when when I was a teenager, I remember uh, we got Kurt Cobain's diaries. Remember when he re- released his diaries? Mm. Like, and and I remember, and it, it says something along the lines of, you know, I didn't fit in in school, uh, or I didn't want to be popular. I, I felt much better hanging out with the weird kids behind the bike shed smoking cigarettes. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember being, I don't know, say 15, 16, reading that and thinking, I'm going to smoke. That moment, just that moment. <laughs> I swear, yeah. I remember what, like, it's going, I'm going to smoke. That's it. Uh, you know, because you're right, because it's fetishized. You know what I mean? The, the tortured yeah. artist, you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and to, to, you know, there's a degree of truth in it. Like, you know, I, what I would yeah. say, what I would say, I can't remember who I heard saying the one, but what what they said was, I like to think that we'll use Richie here for example, right from the Manics, somebody who was very obviously deeply troubled. You know, is that mm-hmm. he wasn't a brilliant artist because he was troubled. 
In fact, yeah. his work, he would have he would have been a brilliant artist if he wasn't troubled. It's just yeah. that he ended up dominating the type of art he made. Yeah. You know, like uh, you know, and I do I like that way. Although I don't know if I totally buy it, but uh, you know, because um, I do believe that pain leads you to you know to to do things that you wouldn't normally do. You know, what I mean, like as in yeah. you know, pain leads you to spending hours and hours distracting yourself from your pain that's why you yeah. spend all that's why you spend all night at parties because you don't want to be by yourself you want to yeah. you don't want to you don't wanna have to reckon with what's going on in your head you know and the thing is oh. the ironic thing the just to, to make the point on here the ironic thing about yeah. all that is that that's all well and good for a while but the problem is life in comes to hit you and life comes and hits every one of us uh, people close to you will die. Uh, you know, uh, horrendous things happen. They just do. You know, I mean, tragedy befalls us all. And the thing is, when you're that reliant on drugs or or, or alcohol, you're you're not strong enough to deal with the things that life throws at you. Yeah. That's why you. That's why you crumble. Then that's why you can't cope with stuff because you're you know you're, you're addicted. You you need something else. Whereas in process of getting sober and the journey of mental health and getting to a place of reasonable mental stability and stuff has made me much more able to deal with the crap that life throws at me and believe you me yeah. it's been thrown at, thrown at like a bastard this <laughs> last year like and but i'm able to cope because i'm not a mess anymore yeah oh it's uh i don't know how much sense that makes but that's kind of yeah no I no. Well, it reminded me of uh, Matt Sheher on a podcast today. Was uh, Mike Posner said it? Uh, he was talking about like it's w- once you actually take responsibility for things that have happened to you, or instead of I suppose instead of seeing it as the things that happened to you, seeing it as it's decisions you made, it frees you up to making new decisions to start improving your life. Ah, uh, that's 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 a great way of putting it. One hundred percent. Like it's that it's funny, you know. The personal responsibility is a large part of what, what this is all about. Do you know what I mean? And like, it's also yeah. about. I kind of think as well. I was younger. I was very intent on ending the absolute truth of the matter, or what I believe to be the absolute truth of the matter. And now I'm much more flexible with even the meaning of those words, as in. Mm. kind of think whatever there's there's sometimes there's helpful things to believe things that help you you know yeah and from a very very deeply ingrained religious part of the world i mean like as far as like in the past when you know when i was younger i felt like i needed some definitive proof of stuff and things like that you know Whereas now, as I say, we're, we're from a very deeply religious part of the world. And not just us, but everybody before us for hundreds of years. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, and everybody yeah. that everybody that, that that lived these lands had this in their lives. Like, you know what I mean? And mm. I, I just I was having a good conversation with my friend about this a few nights ago. And like a lot of us lost that when we were growing up because we realized about the institutions and about how horrendous they are. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and we lost that. Yeah. And you, and, and you could say that maybe a lot of, you know, our, our 
trials and tribulations in our in our twenties, and that we're, we're we're trying to find something to replace that with, you know, like some some level of spirituality, some level of answer, some level of of community that that would that would replace that. So what's going to a gig if not that? Yeah, hundred percent, man. Like, do you know what I mean? Uh, communion together. I, I often use that term. It's exactly hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Like, and your your band's is a, a choir. <laughs> yeah, that's For God's sake. Not, <laughs> not an accident. Uh, uh, the the um, just singing but, hymns. <laughs> it was my my point was that there's an extreme arrogance to think that you were going to be all right without redressing that imbalance. Like, you know mm. what I mean? Like, like uh, uh, the arrogance that only youth can have. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, whereas in, I now feel, especially from a mental health point of view, like uh, I would have been somebody, like I'm sure many other people, extreme overthinker, extreme anxiety warrior, you know, things like that. And uh, that doesn't happen to me anymore now. Like, I, like when yeah. I started they unraveled the knots that I was tied in, that all got fixed, like you know, and 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 part of part of that process was realizing at, that at a certain point of analysis, it was okay just to hand it over, like you know, I mean, just to be like, I'm done with that. I don't need to analyze yeah. that any longer. And as a result, of, that, just because it happened to you doesn't mean it has to be a part of you. Like it, you can let go and let it be. Yeah. In the past. Uh, man, Sometimes 100%. we just feel it. We identify with all of that, like, but you don't. Not at all. Not. It's just a lot of things are uh, the lessons. It's about trying to enjoy the moment. You know, what I mean, trying to enjoy the moment, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, like it, it comes back to the old "be here now." You know, what I mean, the, uh, which are truly words mm-hmm. that I buy. Like, you know, what I mean, now, that doesn't mean throwing caution to the wind yeah. and not caring about tomorrow. Or it doesn't mean that. It just means don't destroy now by overanalyzing yeah. the past or worrying about the future. That's what it means. Now, that's easier said than done. Um, that's hard work we were talking about again. Yeah, exactly. It is bloody hard work, but it's worth every bit of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And, and it is. Definitely. You know? So it's no, it's, hey, it's my journey. And uh, come here, I guarantee we speak in two years' time, I'll be like, well, <laughs> where do you hear what happened now? But that's the joy of <laughs> the whole thing. Like, yeah. like part of we were saying there about you know uh when i moved home and, and, and like and it being complicated with the family and stuff like that as well like this year's been a lot about realizing that i had been building my own family from i was about 14 because yeah i think subconsciously i knew i was going to need one you know and uh and i'm very lucky that i've got like Know, lifelong friends that are brothers like do you know what i mean that, that they are and, yeah. uh, and now sisters do you know what i mean and I've actually had a similar sort of feeling recently too that like just how i always knew that i valued my friends but i don't know there's something recently especially i was just like like everything it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to describe but like it just has a, a different level of value and like they actually give me so much. I've got such a good support network and people actually value me as much as I value them. And it's, uh, it's powerful. Like, Absolutely. My friend, I'm really glad you have that. It makes me very happy to hear that. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. I remember when we were younger, now we've, uh, you know, I'm sure we were like lots of other groups of friends where we thought our groups of friends, our group of friends was quite special. You know, um, we thought that, we were the boys, yeah. like, you know, we, we had the, a great connection. Mm. 
And I remember being in one of one of my friend's brother's house, and he talked that, and he was a good bit older than us, you know. And uh, he spoke, and he says, "Ah, oh, he says, don't you are all close now." This is when we're about sixteen, like. Uh, it was just, you're all close now. He says, wait, the life gets in the way. You'll not see each other. You're not like, you know, just basically saying that, you know, he didn't see his why friends do, and all that. Why do people here. say things like that? <laughs> I know, right? But that's what Who makes... cares? If it's, tr- <laughs> if it's true, then you don't want to hear it. <laughs> like, yep, exactly. It's you know, I'm sure he thought. Be right? <laughs> I, I, I think I'm sure. Let's give him the benefit. Of the, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he thought he was preparing us for the miserable future yeah. or something, you know. But um, <laughs> I often think about that when we're still in touch so much, like you know, and and yeah. like our, my friends have lived in different parts of the world for like a friend of mine who was here today, um, and we took the dog for a walk. Um, he, him and his family, only moved back from Canada. They've been in Canada there eight nine years, you know, and uh, and he's back, and we talked every day in our whatsapp group yeah for those years do you know what i mean like uh, and and like it makes me wild proud you know that we've uh t- paid attention to and kept these relationships for such a long time that's since we we're 14 years old like you know that's so i'm 36 now man that's a that's a long time you know and uh yeah. and we've been through a lot together and also what happens when you get sober is you change, okay? You know, you change in ways. And when you're someone like I was, which I didn't have any personal boundaries, okay? I didn't have any. I thought that because of the environment in which I grew up in, I thought that, the, the, you know, the way to make friends and always give them everything and give them all of yourself and and uh, and always be available and, oh, you know, and I don't understand why that was, but it was. And then what I've learned since I got sober is that, you know, you start putting boundaries up and you go, no, I don't take that. Sorry. Do you know what I mean? And and the thing is, people mm-hmm. that are people that have known you for a long time, particularly family members and that, have a problem with that because they know you as a certain mm-hmm. way. And they're like, suddenly you're acting different. What's wrong? And all you're really doing is going, no, I've got boundaries. I've got, I've got stuff that I can and can't take and stuff that I will accept and that I won't accept. Now, I know from my point of view in the past, when I was still drinking that, I was just always petrified about, being left or people not loving me or people leaving you know what i mean and so i was people pleasing all the time you know and letting people away with stuff all the time not calling them on their bullshit now with my friends it never was like that we kind of always had this this really good habit of calling each other on our shit we just we just really did like uh, we we, we, it worked from the day you know and i honestly do believe that if somebody really loves you if they care about you they will tell you what you don't want to hear man they will they will because they care more about you and your development than they do about what they get from the relationship Mm. you know what i mean like you know like that's and that's kind of difficult to find you know and uh so like boundaries up that's a really challenging part of the the getting sober thing massively and luckily i've been in counseling the whole time along with us so i was kind of prepared for that happening as in i i I read the books and i knew that there's like likely scenarios you know particularly if if your circumstances are a b and c then it's kind of likely that people won't take well to this but you know what i mean and and then you know so tough 
like this year has been the toughest year of my life. I thought getting sober yeah. was going to be the tough. I thought getting sober was going to be the toughest part, but it wasn't. Well, uh, that's and, uh, uh, like one of the reasons I was thinking about this today too is like we're recording this the day before Paddy's Day, which is like basically a drinking holiday. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like and so many people that I've met, or just not even met, but just talked to over the last year of all like drinking more has kind of been. Uh, yeah. A regular coping mechanism. So, um, yeah, yeah, maybe to bring this around, what uh, have you got any advice that isn't drinking for helping people <laughs> through the rest of this uh, lockdown shade? Um, hmm. What's been working? You said it's the hardest year, but uh, so what's been working for you? have to there's no easy fix you have if you're somebody that feels if you're somebody that feels you have a problem with drinking okay which is different you know what i mean if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're somebody who feels that you have a problem you know right which is different than just so i know lots of people too are drinking more you know what i mean because but you don't get me wrong like i when you were younger, you're going to concerts and stuff. There was an element of fun. Do you know what I mean? Like you were having fun. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, uh, you know, you were seeing your friends, maybe, you know, it lowered your inhibitions. You were talking to your friends, maybe in ways you mm-hmm. wouldn't before. It gave you a bit of courage, stuff like that. It stops being fun for people who are alcoholics. Do you know what I mean? It stops. There's no fun. It's just yeah. numbing stuff. You know what I mean? So my advice is if you're somebody that feels like you've got a problem, get a counselor. It is the number one thing. It is... Not even that. I think if you're somebody who's just anybody, get a counselor. I, I couldn't. I, could, I couldn't recommend. I think it. everyone on the planet can benefit. Oh, it's honestly. It's just even. Come here, honestly. Even just the sheer basic fact of having somewhere to go for one hour per week, where what do you feel matters. That's that. That's it. Yeah. That one, for one hour per week, we go somewhere. Where and I'm doing. I've done through lockdown. I've done all my counseling online on Zoom. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So like. I had a pre-existing relationship with the council, obviously, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I honestly, see just going somewhere that you, where you matter for the hour, where it's about what you think. You don't have to feel guilty about your feelings. You don't have to feel guilty about how you feel or what consequences they may have on somebody else. No, no, it's what, what you feel matters. And that's important. And again, there's a, a really good book called uh, The Road Less Travelled. Man, um, I just finished reading it. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. No way. Really? Yeah. I've got oh. like the follow-up. There's a... Uh, oh, where's the other... Oh, yeah, there's... I bought it too. I've got a follow-up as well. I don't know if you know this one. Oh. I, don't, I, 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 w- I wouldn't say I do. Um, I got it from the library, and then I bought it, and there's a follow-up called Further Along the Road Less Travel, which I haven't read yet. But ah, Yeah, cool. fantastic book. Did you, did you get a lot out of it? I had a going to say it before you did, you know. <laughs> um, honestly, uh, it, it, it's basically, I, I'm kind of like this, where if I'm going to partake in something that I don't know much about, I'll go and try and find out at least a rough guide about what it does. Pardon me. So when I went to start yeah. the council, I was like, right, I need to read something that's going to accompany me here so that I'm not freaked out or overwhelmed. So at least I understand what the whole process is about. And like, the start of that book, it's so good because you remember, like they say at the start of the book, 
if you're going to your counselor, if you're reading this book, you're already in the group of people at an advantage because you're aware yeah. of your head. Majority of people I encounter in yeah. life don't. They're not. That's not self-aware and and held accountable to themselves and and con- and self-improvement wasn't really something I was. Yeah. It's not something I've been around. I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't grow up and. And I'm not. I'm not even joking. Like, I'm not. That is not. That is not remotely hyperbole. That is not. That is literally. That is exactly. You know the the old the old Bill Hicks book. The, what you reading for? You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, it's like you know. So like, uh, it's that, that, that the idea of being self aware and and uh, and trying to get better. At, you know than at yourself. You know that's that's really empowering. You know, and the thing is when you yeah. actually you know what. Can have a I do have a bit of advice, right? Which is this. Great. You said you did dry January there, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're somebody that drinks every week, you know, like so you drink every weekend and you've been drinking every weekend since you were 15, like most people from this part of the world, okay? You know, mm-hmm. you need to give your body and your mind time to get used to being without it. And to remember yeah. to remember that it likes it, that it likes being healthy, yeah. that it likes not being poisoned, you know? It's like, you know, yeah, like uh well, I, I I would just always like um, I suppose this could be advice for people too. Like, I always like assess my relationship with drink every now and again. You know, I'm just like, why am yeah. I, why am I having these beers? Is it just because it's a Friday? Because that's not really a good enough reason. <laughs> or just like, or am I like, because I think like I do enjoy a drink, and I something over the last year I've realized is I'm more of an anxious person than I realized. And the reason that I wasn't as aware of it was because I would always do things to stop me being anxious. Like I'd organize things maybe a bit too much to stop me worrying about them. So it was like, I could pretend that I wasn't that anxious, but then I realized I was doing certain things to stop me being anxious. I asked you a question. And I realized one of the things. Yeah. So for example, if you're in a relationship, for example, um, do you, kind of need to need to get things sorted quickly like if, if there's an issue or something like do you do you need do you need like a solution quickly uh or or with your anxiety like that's what i mean because i find a lot of people they'll be their anxiety drives them to being very direct my anxiety drove me to being very direct yeah. because i could not handle overnight not worrying about if i was going to have one or yeah. not the next day do you know what i mean it's like, and that's so like, yeah, and I would <laughs> like that's because, because that's kind of, it's weird. That's not the side of it. You think you're going anxiety, anxious, shy, retiring, but no, yeah. what, what it does to me and people I know is that it actually makes me, it made me far more likely to say what the fuck's going on. Uh, tell me the crap because I couldn't handle being mature, emotionally mature and sitting with the feelings of being uncertain. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, like that's, and like, and that's emotional maturity, which comes with dealing with your trauma, you know? Uh, yeah. And the thing, what that book taught me so much was about trauma. And because people are terrified of the word, the same way they're terrified of the word alcoholic, you know what I mean? It's like, uh-huh. you know, it's just people are literally terrified. Ter- oh, trauma? What do you mean trauma? Well, that book taught me that trauma is, like, you're, you're born, 
still very connected to your mother. Even That's pretty traumatic for me. There is, there's trauma in being born, there is, for both people. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, even your mother being highly stressed about worrying about money mm. or, 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 you know, or whatever, that can affect you. That's trauma, trauma on a small level. So when you start to understand that, you're going, Jesus, well, maybe there was a lot of trauma about, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you were beaten from pillar to post. You know what I mean? It, 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 doesn't, nece- it doesn't mean that necessarily. Uh, it, it, you know, there's so many colors and variations of it and yeah. that, that, that it's there. And, if, and, and resolving that is it's the most freeing thing I have encountered uh, because that's when my anxiety and stuff stopped. When I because I started to realize why I was doing things the way I was all my yeah. life, I was like, "Wow!" So, all right, now I understand why I threw myself at everybody. <laughs> I get it now. I'm like, ah, yeah. I, you know, I I, I I get it now. That makes sense. And then, yeah, it's like these things that you feel that you don't have control over. You realize you you don't actually have to be a slave to these things anymore absolutely absolutely and it was the as with all things knowledge is power do you know what i mean like and it was yeah it, hey finding out was difficult as hell and it was scary as hell and it took ages and i'm still working through it the consequences of it were enormous but but and change it for a single second because things that i have in my life now are not built on Paper mache. They're not built on yeah. relationships and parties. They're not built on uh, codependence. They're built on real relations. Like uh, I met Lauren when I moved home. That's uh, four years now. We're friends. Lauren has never drank. She doesn't drink uh, or take drugs. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, antidepressants, as she says. <laughs> but like you know what I mean. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> same, same as myself. Uh, and big life changer. Big, big life changer helps with yeah. anxiety massively. But um. All the relationships and with Dean as well, and with my lovely new dog, all these relationships are built on real stuff. And my friends, I'm looking, well, uh, I'm looking up that my friends I've had since I was 14. Do you know what I mean? So they predate, uh, you know, the turbulence and me, you know, when I got to 18 and being in Belfast and all, they predate all that. So they're, yeah, they're like built on real stuff too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, That's, you reminded me of uh, something I thought of earlier. And it's like, I think it's the last episode of Bojack Horseman where they say life sucks and then you die or sometimes life sucks and then you keep on living. (laughs) 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 Uh, We were talking about, um, you know, um, sort of fetishizing like the rock and roll lifestyle or whatever. And like, thing is like Kurt Cobain died, but he got sober and are still here making music so like i don't know i think the latter is a bit more inspiring to me anyway <laughs> I, I, I swear to god man scott hutchinson is my example because frightened rabbit for anybody that doesn't know as we talked about it at the start you yeah. know so it's probably a good place to come full circle on which is that mm-hmm. 2009 to, to 2018 is almost well it was t- it's almost the worst years of my of when I was doing this to myself, you know, when I was at my most, you know, horrendous, you know, I mean, like when, I, when my life was in, you know, really bad place. And that's when I was under that band the most, you know, going to see the concerts and all. And honestly, anybody who was going to those concerts at the time was telling you they were something else. There was something special at those gigs because mm-hmm. we were all standing there together in pain, saying, 
these really intense things. And the thing was, we're saying we want to kill ourselves, but we haven't because we're all here, aren't we? Mm -hmm. I mean, and the thing is, like, I went to Galway in 2017 when I got sober. A few months later, I went down to visit my brother in Galway. He was living there at the time. And we went and seen Scott in uh, this private uh was in a restaurant. Rosie, your friend Rosie was there. Uh, mm -hmm. was, I was just going to say, I think uh, either Rosie or John might have told me this. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they were at And like, I met him the day before in the street uh, or outside a bar um, and sat and took me about 20 minutes sitting beside him before I plucked up the courage to tap him on the shoulder. Um, and uh, because also I was sober and very vulnerable, like, you know, I mean, I was, I was mm -hmm. learning again, you know what I mean? And he was sitting drinking Guinness and eating oysters. This is somebody I felt a, a very deep connection with on a kindred spirit, like at the last frightened rabbit it's, record. It's so weird too. It's like when you meet someone like that, it's like you've known them for years and they've never met you. <laughs> uh, and man, I was super aware of it. Like, and I was, I thought so many times about what I wanted to say to him. Do you know what I mean? Like, so like, and, yeah. uh, and oh, God bless him. Like he, he turned around and sat with me and we sat for just shy of 10 minutes. And, uh, Talked, it got very deep very quickly. <laughs> Anybody that knows me will think that's no surprise. And uh, but we talked, and then we went and seen the gig the next night. And we me and him chatted outside after he finished playing as well. And he literally like he didn't have a set list. He just let us pick whatever songs we just suggested songs. And like like it's weird, man, because that happened right. And that's the first like I'd say that was the tenth time I'd, I'd seen him in concert, but I had never spoken to him before, you know, and. This time we properly spoke, you know, I mean, we, we had like a good conversation that over thing about this is, you know, you can tell in my laugh when you see other people struggling, you know, it, you know, it because you've yeah. been there, you know, and I had the, obviously the difference with Scott was that he, he broadcasted and the songs, how, you know, how he was feeling like, and uh, so in hindsight, as I sometimes say, that, sometimes, um, I don't know, like acknowledging things can feel like working on them but it's not yeah that's very very true you know that's very true just and i think actually that's a very good point because his music which the part of it i love so much is he would say a line that was so honest that would turn your stomach and i, yeah. I just i'm all about that like that's what i, I want like uh, you know like i want reaction like i want i want music that makes me sick absolutely <laughs> all over my own face <laughs> and, uh, like, um, and but as i say and that's I think also, uh, as a slight aside, I think part of that, because I've been doing that for so long as well, I think part of that is your songs and your writing feel like a safe place where you can say what you want and no bastard can tell you what they say. And they can't tell you to shut mm -hmm. up anymore. They can't tell you any of those things. They can't tell you that your voice doesn't matter. It's my songs, I'll say what the fuck I want. And I'm going to say it so loud mm -hmm. and brash. And what I would do as well is like I would put things in my songs that I knew the people I was talking about weren't intelligent enough to work out like. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, and uh, like, uh, it's, like uh, that sounds. I don't give a shit how that sounds. That sounds exactly like it. It sounds like the truth. Okay, Do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. uh, and well, that's uh, something that uh, that Anne Lamott, too, I mentioned earlier, said as well. It's like the the one thing that she feels like every writer has in common is that at some point their voices were silent, and now they just have to get the truth out. And yeah, I think same same with songwriting and everything. Yeah, it's, that's what we're doing, I suppose. It's like. That's a, that's a wonderful way of putting it, honestly. It's, it's the, 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 to go back to the Scott thing there, and like as far as using like the Kirk Cobain and, and surviving and getting through it, 
so it's definitely the way if you can like you know i mean it, it's so difficult to survive it though like there's so many times when i i, I could have not so many so many so many when i tried to you know what i mean when i tried to stop it and i didn't uh, or i wasn't able to or you know what things happened but now it's weird not as much a big picture guy anymore <laughs> yeah. it, you know like as in you know i don't really have anywhere i want to get to like, i not really you know like i did not anymore i i can't wait for the next time somebody wants to work with me in the studio like I, i'm really yeah. looking forward to that I, i'm looking forward to to practicing with the bands again when we can do that but yeah i, I don't I can't really enjoy waking up and feeling okay no like and yeah. and and that's enough Okay, don't get, and but the thing is, that doesn't mean I'm not ambitious. I am. I'm massively ambitious, but yeah. it, it's it's not a. It comes from a different place. It's not like a need to prove myself or or a need to prove. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about the fact that I kind of feel that I've went through enough now that I can actually be of use to other people. Yeah, and much like Vincent, I, who who was buried today, that's that's exactly what he did was with his recovery and the rest of his life after his recovery. He used it to help other people, and that's. That's honestly, and what you do in the, in the album, the first of the Heathen Choir, uh, I, I I was relaying that so that people get used out of it. And, and man, I spoke to people around the band. They've come to me and they've spoke to me because I have spoken about mental health. And they've come to me and they've said yeah. that, that where they were, they were suicidal and things like that. Do you know what I mean? And it does it does matter? And do, and what you do does matter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even if it's just a you. Yeah, I like. I think that's what we're all trying to do when we create stuff anyway, is just to, and even if it's just, I suppose even if it is just helping ourselves, but if it's helping one other person that hears it, then like that's. That's your job done as a songwriter, as we were saying earlier on, you know, it's a. It's one of the driving parts of this podcast too. It's like, I think every episode we comment, we going to our mental health in some way and yeah it's i don't know <laughs> as they says in um the road less travels too it's about like reaching outside of yourself and extending those boundaries and yeah one of the things the main thing we've all been denied for a year now is connection yeah and Honestly, that's that's what all this is about. It's it's feeling it's wanting to feel connected to people. It's yeah. wanting to feel like you that you're connected to the human race, that you're connected to a family, that you're connected to your lover, that you're connected, that you feel that you're as you said, you're not being sentenced, you're heard. And like we've all been deprived of that over this last year and we've had to mm. work out different ways of getting connections. Like I don't know about you, but like over the last year. I've give everybody a Bible on social media. Like, I don't give a shit if you're posting uh, 20 selfies a day, man. You got to do it. You do you. Like, you know what I mean? This is mm-hmm. tough. This is weird shit. This is weird shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, the territory. Uh, you know, like, you, you do <laughs> what you got to do. Like, I've done weird shit. I, I do what you got to do to get through it. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, when we get out the other side, we can all help each other heal and, and, and get better and be connected and go to the shows and sing louder and dance quicker. I'm going to dance too because I can't dance. And uh, <laughs> that actually weird, weird, weird thing to add, right? But what I've noticed about my musical taste that's changed since I got to get better. I think when I was younger and 
in a lot of pain and unresolved pain, I needed to listen to stuff that addressed my pain. Like as in that, the, mm-hmm. the, the, not directly, but things that I felt that that, that, that hit me, you know, like that was that sort of way. Mm-hmm. Once I've done the work on myself and that, I found myself being interested in music that makes me move and and and, mm-hmm. and like, you know, and dance, like it makes me want to dance and stuff. Like, you know, that's not about that, you know, not about, uh, you know, a truth or, a, you know, a message or a personal, you know, that's just about grooving, about having a good time, you know, and that's, that's been great. I've really been enjoyed getting into that kind of music. Like, you know, for the first time, you know, just music makes you want to dance. And, and I do mm-hmm. think it's connected to that. I think it's, you know, I've, it's me looking outside myself, like you're saying from the book, you know, looking outside, expanding my, my territory because I don't need to listen to the Counting Crows all the time because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's, uh, and I love Adam Durex more than most, but, um, uh, you know, it, it serves a particular purpose. Like, you know what I mean? And like, uh, it's, a, it's almost like, uh, you've made a shift to like loving yourself and your by extension, your body. And now you want to use your body and move your body. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Like, my friend. Absolutely. That's a great thing. Yeah. It's like now, yeah, <laughs> so I, I, it is because uh, I, of, I don't know. I've always had this thing. I remember, like, remember you know, touching wood, touch wood. That's you know, mm-hmm. my family doesn't die, but I'm touch wood, like you know, uh, like that started me <laughs> yeah. early on in my life. You know, see my mum doing it. You know, like uh, and just copied her, like you do. You know, just yeah. touch wood, touch wood. I remember one time uh, cycling down the road and. This is when I'm 11 or 12 years old and almost crashing because I was trying to touch a telegraph pole made of wood because I had a thought that I would have to do it, right? And I remember thinking, this is dangerous. Like, So I had considered getting a wooden cross to put around my neck so that I would always I, be touching wood. Yeah, t- not touching wood is much more dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> and, but the thing is, going through that process, my head sort of set me up, I think, as in I figured out that it was insane. I was like, I, and I, 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 I hated the idea of being enslaved to this thing. I was like, so yeah. this, this is, and then like I remember living with a guy too in Belfast many years ago, and you know he was one of these guys that had to have the TV at an even number, and like, hmm. I, I, I was like, why do you not want to fix this? Why, why are you okay? <laughs> why are you okay with that being a thing? Like, come on. Like, did you not see that you're you're in control of the most ridiculous OCD here? Like, like that doesn't make sense. Like, come on. Like, you know, you know, where's your pride? That's what I was thinking. I was like, come, you know. You're, That's you're, uh, so one of the things I've really uh, affected over the last year is uh, yeah. the TV on whatever number. doesn't matter now. So <laughs> what I've got out of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I'm delighted to hear it. As I say, I I, I know it sounds harsh there, but that was just where, where I was about it. Like, you know, I was like, come on, like, we're, we're not, you're not really slave. I'm joking, I'm just... <laughs> but it's, I think, I think, it's weird when I think about that now, I think way back to that, being 11 years old, so I was already kind of keeping mm. an eye, already kind of self-aware. I mean, like, and yeah. I have fucking no idea why that was, like, not a clue. Still don't. I was asking, I was just asking today, Friend Neve was here earlier when we were speaking. I was like, why, why was nobody else like this at home? You know, or what, or, or, you know, why, mm. why, 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 why was it me? Why did I? You know what I mean, I was like, why, 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 why? And as I say, I can date it way back. I remember looking in the mirror 
chatting to myself loads when I was that age, you know, 11, 12, 13. And I realized now that that was loneliness and, and, and looking for, you know, some sort of affirmation and trust and stuff. And then, like, when I do it now, the odd time, I used to be then when I just had a few drinks, you know, you'd be then going, yes, man, how are you getting? You doing all right? You know what I mean? Like, and uh, <laughs> I suppose it's checking in with yourself, isn't it? And, like, uh, mm. when I do it now, I, I, I can really... I can remember when I was doing it young and it feels like part of the same journey, you know, like, uh, yeah. but, but so much has happened. It's almost like rediscovering my younger self, you know, and yeah, uh, it's, uh, which leads me to the song that I'm obsessed with at the moment, uh, which okay. is uh, Fleetwood Max Sarah. Um, and found out, see, that that song's about Stevie Nicks and her child. Okay, so her, okay. she calls she calling her and her child Sarah, and basically it's after she's got world famous with rumors ah, and all the rest of it, right? Okay. And and she's she's almost talking like well the way I get I I, I interpret it in a way you know is she's kind of talking to her sort of and she's talking back there she's sort of saying you know you told me that you'd give me light but you never told me about the fire. No, and she's talking about mm. you know the the road and the the things that you know the trials and tribulations she meets and all. And basically, the message is: Sarah says, "When you build your home, call me, and I'll come home. You build your house, call me, and I'll come home." And there we go, every hair on the arm, and uh, it's uh, <laughs> I really, really relate to that at the moment. You know, uh, yeah. like it's there's something that's really hitting me deep about that song at the moment, you know, and she has the line that she says, drowning in the sea of love where everyone would love to drown. Uh, now it's gone. It doesn't matter what for. It's that line, man. It's that line. It doesn't matter what for, because we're, yeah. in, we're important. We're, or it doesn't matter that the love's gone. It doesn't matter why. It makes no difference. It's so empowering yeah. about that, you know what I mean? Like, I just find it very empowering. So I've been listening to it and crying of late, um, uh, which is terrific. Like, you know, love a good cry. Well, that's uh, uh, what I'm doing as soon as I get off this uh, call. It's also... I can have a cry. Uh, man, it's also one of the best sounding recordings you will find. Like, uh, that, that particular recording, because yeah. uh, Lindsay Buckingham went pure cocaine mad in the studio and... Obs <laughs> obsessive to the point of of mani like madness but you listen to the bass yeah. and the drums in your best headphones or speakers when you go off this mm -hmm. and you text me and tell me whether it was worth it or not right <laughs> because <laughs> man, I ain't never heard bass or drums recorded like that before uh, not that like, uh, <laughs> uh, it's honestly you know I get, this has been really lovely buddy honestly thank you so much yeah I think that's a beautiful uh, point to end on to Phoenix. um Thanks for that, man. That was great. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, uh, a pleasure. I hope he's all well, and I hope to see you soon. Shake your hand. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you a hug. I intend on hugging uh, everybody. So it's all good. <laughs> Hugs for everyone. Um, yeah. This is a song, a song called, called "Tear by Tear."
Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, hey, thank you.